What's up, Sifters, and welcome to the first regular episode of Game Face for 2017, and we have a good one for you guys today. We are going to share our first impressions of the final retail code of Resident Evil 7. Ooh, and we're going to look at all the new updates we got about the Switch in the past week that were not in Nintendo's presentation. And we're going to give you our big predictions for 2017. Let's rock! What's up, Sifted Massive? It is good to be back in the house to do a regular episode of Game Face. Yeah. Took us a little while, but all that big Nintendo stuff going down, we yeah, thought it was pretty so long, important. I forgot to bring chat up on my phone. <laughs> Hope everyone's doing great. Well, uh, thank you for joining the stream today. Uh, just right off the top, I want to let you know that we're actually doing kind of a double header today. Uh, so we're going to do this episode of Game Face, and then we'll have a short break, probably 10 or 15 minutes, and then we'll go straight into our Sifted Fantasy League draft. Matt and I did that this morning, mm -hmm. and uh, I think it's going to be probably the closest year ever. I think we got some interesting picks in there. And uh, some risky picks in places. Yeah. Not necessarily. I, I think we... Oh, we played it a lot more safe. Oh, yeah. And I don't think anything we picked is not going to come out this year. But yeah. there's a couple things that I don't know if they're going to get the high scores we're yeah. hoping for. But It's going to be fun. So stick around. And we'll know a lot earlier this year. We will. <laughs> yes. So stick around after yeah. the show. We'll do our draft right after this. Uh, hopefully you guys will... Some Crystal Pepsi today. Is that really Crystal Pepsi? It is. Shout out to LA Beast. For the inspiration. I found it in a liquor store when I was getting a snack for it. It's came back, out. right? Mm -hmm. I don't know why they brought that back. Because LA Beast demanded it, man. <laughs> That's terrible. LA Beast is a YouTuber that does horrible things to himself for our entertainment. I, I enjoy him. He seems like a good dude. Good dude. Yeah. And he loves Crystal Pepsi. So since it has been a while since we've done a normal show, one or two of the topics might be a little bit dated because uh, mm -hmm. there are a couple we want to talk it's about because we missed it and it hasn't been a while. We had to de dedicate so. last week to the Switch. Yep. So. And uh, I think you can see right now the topic we're going to talk about first is kind of an old one. So mm -hmm. the announced, was it last week? Um, or the week before? Everything seems so long ago. I feel like it was early, <laughs> around early last a week, week. Around a week ago, it was announced that Scalebound was canceled for Xbox One. Um, and Matt, I think what strikes me most profoundly about this is you start gazing into the future of Xbox One, there's not a lot there as no. far as exclusives are concerned. I mean, maybe Crackdown? I mean, they're saying maybe. Crackdown. Now they're, now they're starting to message Crackdown. Mm, right. <laughs> they're like, no, yeah, Crackdown's still coming. Oh, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Was Crackdown ever, I think maybe the first one sold over a million? First one sold well. Crackdown 2 was a big disappointment. I yeah. Um, I mean, 3 could be better if they learn from it. Be, you know, two was a fun co-op idea more than it was a concrete game. Yeah. Uh, and then they've got Sea of Thieves somewhere sometime, which again, I I remain skeptical of that game too. Like it's 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 a well, it's definitely I, a wild card. Yeah, and it's a game that demos well, but I don't know if it's going to catch on with the general imagination. And also, you're still sort of in that realm of like, well, everything's also coming to PC, so yeah. And beyond that, I, all I can say is they better have some stuff to talk about at E3 that we haven't seen before and that is coming soon. Not, not this, like, see you three years from now thing. Yeah, I mean... If the Scorpio needs something that takes advantage of the new power, I assume they've got something up their sleeve there. Well, you've got to assume Forza Motorsport 7 will be coming this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, because it's, they it's do that, that every, every other, other year. year thing. And so that'll be coming. But, I mean, is there... Is there going to be a lot of demand for that? I mean, we just had Forza Horizon 2, which is amazing, and does mm -hmm. kind of scratch that sim itch a good bit. I mean, you can set it up so that it's pretty simmy. 
Yeah, I mean, we have Ford of Motorsport Six. I, I mean, mean, Seven will be a draw. To, you know, it'll be a. You know, they do seem to like to use Forza to show off the new hardware. And so it will be a draw, I think, for people who like those. I mean, I like those games. Am I? I mean, that's know, probably. I just be. bought a new system for Forza Six, though. Feels like so, like the idea of jumping in on that for you know. I guess I'll play it on PC, but like, it's it you know it kind of was like oh that's cool like for the you know the launch of this new gen right. Um, but as like kind of the incentive to get the new system up, you know, the the the, the Xbox 1.5 or kind of whatever whatever hardware. What me? You know, some people are saying it's going to be technically a next gen. I mean, it system. looks like it based um, upon the specs that they've kind of leaked. But out. like, racing games a cool tech demo, but you need something to capture the the mass imagination a little better. I don't think racing games have the penetration you need to get people to spend four or five hundred bucks on a console. So let's talk Not about more anyway. Gran Turismo used to be that. Yeah. Let's talk about Scalebound. Mm-hmm. What do you think went wrong there? I don't know for sure, but like everything seems to point to the idea that Microsoft wanted one thing and Platinum was making another, and they couldn't agree on what, whose fault it was and who said what and who's communicating with where. And like, it's like we'll probably never fully know the truth, but it sounds. I think like we'll find out eventually. Maybe, but like it sounds like it sounds like Microsoft wanted one thing and Platinum made what Platinum makes, and that wasn't what Microsoft wanted. Um, there's a lot of reports of tension for the last several months. Although uh, 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 Kamiya was saying that like he didn't, you know, people saying like, oh, he took a month off to like um, for like mental health reasons. There's any, any you know, like no, that's not what ha-, you know. So so there's I mean, conflicting Phil Spencer reports. did come out and say that there was a conflict of interest, so to speak, between the two. Mm-hmm. And Microsoft, like you said, wanted one thing from the game and. It was going in the other direction. Like I just feel like Microsoft probably wanted sort of a more, a slightly more complex fable, and that just isn't what Platinum does. Yeah, you know? I mean that like, isn't what the game was either. I no. mean it's not like anybody could have looked at any of the trailers or checked out the game at an event or a convention and thought that that's the direction mm-hmm. it was headed in. And I just, you know, you look at these things and you're like, it's, it, you know, it's kind of like Xenoblade Chronicles X in the sense where you look at it and you're like, yeah, it's cool, but it's so weird in that, you know, peculiarly anime way, you know? And, and it it's, doesn't it, it feel like... It screams Japanese yeah. game, I'll say that And it just doesn't much. seem like something that would really catch fire in, in the North American market. Um, I was looking forward to it because I, you know, I like dragons. Like, I was looking forward was, to it because I think it still think. looks awesome. Looks like, cool. Like a big open area and like action-based combat, kind of Dragon's Dogma style stuff. And you also have a dragon. You have a dragon with you, and you. Yeah, I mean, I also love uh, you know as janky as the series has always been. I like Dragon Guard. This reminds me of that a little bit. Or Dragon Dragoon in Japan. Um, this looked like kind of that made with like a budget and a team that can actually make a combat system, and like that would have been awesome. Magic. But like I just don't. I'm, I I don't know what. Would you know, after how many years and how many millions they've thrown into this? What what about this game made Microsoft say, okay, pull the plug? I mean, it. rumors are swirling that the big issue was that the engine just couldn't run as smoothly. Mm. That there were technical limitations with the engine that they had built, and mm-hmm. that it wasn't able to. They weren't able to get it up to a stable frame rate. But you look at all the work that I mean, look at this game, Matt. This isn't some game where they put out like a trailer or two and decided, oh, this isn't working out. Like you go back to like Prey. Mm-hmm. With Bethesda, Prey 2. You know, they put out like one or two trailers, showed it at E3 once, and then they canceled it. Like, this game is like, you've got to assume it's pretty close to being done. 
Could you imagine working on something like this for the hours that game developers work, for the amount of years that this game was in development, and it just never comes to fruition? Yeah, what happens? It's uh... games that take not. It's not. It's pretty rare for a game that's been in development this long. I mean, it is. Look, it has had. So many milestones, Matt. And we, yeah, you know what milestones are. Milestones oh, yeah. are things that the publisher set up with the developer, and they say, on this date, you need to show us X, Y, and Z. And so once you go through a few of those milestones, it's kind of hard to blame the developer for the cancellation of a game because the publisher at that point has been mm -hmm. elbows deep in it, working with the game, working with the developer on the game, kind of trying to shape it or find that common ground between the development team and the publisher so there's a game that both sides are happy with. Like for it to go through all that and for it to just be canceled, I just mm -hmm. well, it's weird. I that, can't like, think of another game like this. Well, I mean, you know, word is that Pre original Prey Two was pretty close. Really? Um, yeah. But like the thing about this that I, the, that I find the most confusing, I didn't like the demo uh, E3 last year. I thought like the, that big boss fight. I thought that was pretty blah. Yeah. But you I know, agree. this already looks like more involved and more solid than a lot of these terrible open world RPGs are these days. This I feel looks like, bad, like a better game that, to me than the Final idea Fantasy that Microsoft, <laughs> Well, the idea, oh yeah. Well, the idea that Microsoft, you know, just looking at the, the idea that Microsoft could look at this demo and think there was nothing to salvage in this game is weird to me. It's like, okay, maybe it doesn't run perfectly. I bet it would run okay on the Scorpio. Yeah. You're throwing a power at it. Um, and that's why it's confusing. It's like, if it really is a power issue, mm -hmm. why wouldn't they just take this whole year Move it to Scorpio and go pow. I don't know. It makes so much sense. Yeah. They need big games to sell their new hardware well, the same, by the in, same in token, the holidays. What about Fable Legends? I mean, that's not entirely dissimilar. There were many betas. There were people, a lot of had people played, had played that yeah. game. And most people liked it. Okay, I mean, it, you know, it wasn't going to set the world on fire, but it was like people, a lot of people thought it was like, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, And like the idea of all that time, all that money, all that effort, and you, not, you kill that game and then you shut Lionhead down. Um, and then they do kind of the same thing here. It's like it makes me wonder what they're after. Yeah, I mean, I would say I would argue Sometimes, that the Fable was a much simpler game. It kind of right. had one concept. But at and... a certain point, like it's interesting that twice now Microsoft has decided it's a better idea to just not bother to leave that hole in their lineup when their lineup is pretty slim to yeah. begin with. And fa look, Fable was also free to play. Right. So. There's, there Fable had online charges. Fable had a lot of like infrastructure behind it to get it to launch. So like not wanting to go through all that cost and effort, like that makes maybe a little more sense. Right, Scale there could be a million reasons. Like pretty straightforward. Yeah, I I'm flabbergasted that this game was canceled, especially with you know your comment about moving it over to Scorpio. It just makes so much sense. And the really crappy part about all this is that. Unless Microsoft has a change of heart, there is no chance of this game being revived mm -hmm. because Microsoft owns the IP. So unless it decides to move forward with the Scorpio version where it has more power at its disposal to work with, or it decides to sell it to somebody else, which maybe there's a chance Platinum a chance. buys it back. I, could, I mean, or I don't know if Platinum could afford that, but another maybe Sony. I could, you know, if Sony wanted to do that, they might be able. But like then again, that Microsoft could probably just see that as helping Sony, and they don't want to do that. I mean, you could even start talking about like Capcom or yeah. well, there Bandai were Namco. There or, were pe people talking about. Um, uh, Nintendo rescuing it for the Switch, but it's pretty <laughs> obvious now that this would never run <laughs> Good on one. the Switch. If it won't run on Xbox One, it's definitely right. not running on well, Switch. Well, to be fair, that was before the Switch We knew what it was. Got you. Um, but, like, there were people like, but, I mean, that's what everybody's saying now. It's like, oh, go to the Switch. So the Switch. It's like, look, there's, there's, there's no real way to salvage this game unless somebody picks it up, basically, for PC. Yeah. And, look, while it's obviously a Japanese game, you can watch it for, like, a minute, and you'd be like, this is a Japanese-developed game. Right. 
I also feel like it was one of the few Japanese-developed games that actually was pretty close to matching like open world games from the West. Yeah. Well, like you. I mean, we saw that, with Final Fantasy saw, 15. Just some of that footage of the fight within the open field there, and like, I mean, you can make a commercial out of that and get people's attention right there. I mean, oh yeah. Like that thing where the where the you know the dragon looks awesome, and like it I looks think the solid. Whole game, and it looks other big than the, the some scale of the works. stupid conceits, like the headphones that he put. Right. On. I mean, you don't. I mean. There's, I don't know what they're thinking. There's with that goofy one. parts to it, but the core of the game still, to me, looks flipping awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's. I mean, if you have to cut the co-op, if the co-op is the problem with the frame rate, cut it. Like, yeah. well, I'll play it by myself. Just go and rebalance all the enemy hit points or whatever. Like, you could have made it happen. I'm just flabbergasted that this game was canceled. I just really am. With all the things facing Microsoft right now, it got his butt kicked mm. in December by PlayStation again after having a good run for a few months there. But it did really did appear that everyone was just waiting for the holiday. Six million plus PlayStation 4 sold in the holiday season. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I don't know. It, it feels like at this point Microsoft is fighting a war with guns that don't have any bullets. Like, yeah. I just... Well, now they just threw one of the really good bullets out the window. Yeah. Like, it's, it's... I don't... They just shot it into the sky. Even if it was, even if it was like, can I get like an 80 Metacritic? Like, it feels like it fills a hole that... They don't have anything to replace it with. I mean, I feel bad for Platinum, too, because Platinum has really gone through a rough run here. Yeah. I mean, its last several games have been yeah. not well, good. Well, even the good ones, you know, Bayonetta 2 was good, but it only sold like a million copies because it's on the Wii U. That one, the development was paid for by Nintendo. Right. I'm sure Platinum made us money from that. But like, but it's always better to have some royalties for in, sure. in the pocket at the end of a game's sales life. And they just haven't been getting that because they, they went in so hard on the Wii U. And, uh, I mean, granted, they didn't really probably lose anything on that, but, yeah. like, they could have spent that time making something that was going to sell bigger on a different platform and, and put a little more gold in the coffers, if you know what I mean. And, look, I'm starting to worry a little bit about Platinum at this point. Same. I mean, sure. they have Nier Automata coming, which looks awesome. Yeah. Um, the demo for that I was really impressed with, but that's just one game. And, I mean, yeah. it has had... Well, they supposedly do have a sequel to that Transformers game coming. <laughs> but uh, Yay? Like... <laughs> well, it did sell. Did it? I mean, it's sold to expectations, really? which means another, you know, uh, from what I understand, uh, Hasbro wants to do three of those. Oh. One, one to go with each major line of their Prime Wars trilogy thing, and Devastation went with the Combiner Wars, right. and then the new one will go with Titan's Return, and the next one will go with their the next toy line, which I don't remember what they're going to call that. Um, I think it's something about Primes or something, but like, um, uh, like that's, you know... Those contracts can be where developers live and die. The, pro- the problem with that, though, is that the first game was not good. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was just kind of there. I agree with you. Um, there are I know many, many people on numerous, numerous forums who call it the, basically the best game they've ever played. Like, the, the <laughs> fan base of Devastation... I hesitate to use the word delusional, but I can't think of anything else. But like, is it like another God Hand scenario, kind where of? there's this like niche of people who but are basically, like, basically, I'm like, I'm, and I've, I try not to talk about it much because yeah. it's just not worth it, yeah. frankly. But like, I've had another conversation about it recently, where I'm just like, I just like, the combat system is great. The mechanics of it yeah. are really amazingly deep, and there's a lot to do in there. The game's got like three environments. Uh, yeah. There's nothing like there's like five enemies. There's nothing. See, to do. I, look, All the I, boss battles are the same. Like, but like it, the the fans of that game don't care. They look, just want to do crazy combo look, shit. There are there are 
big fans of Platinum. Yeah, there Plat are, there are I mean, Platinum, platinum has fans, oh, boys. for sure. There's no doubt about it. I mean, and, there's people that will defend that Legend of, Legend of Korra game. Right, and if you go into forums, that's where you're going to find right. the sort of groups of fanboys, but really, you just look at the sales. And from what I remember, it sold around a million, something like that. I think it ended up closer to two million, last it's, I saw. Which really? Is, which is decent for That's that. way more than I thought. It's double what I thought. So... But still, what I'm saying is... I don't think it is, hit two million, but is, I think it got further than I would have expected. What, but what I'm saying is, like, there's there are a lot of people who bought that and were disappointed with that purchase. Oh, and, I was. <laughs> and everybody was. I mean, so getting them to come back, mm -hmm. if you're going to put out three more games... Well, we'll see. See, here's the thing, is like... Or two more games. Well, here's, you know, if that's what they wanted it to sell, it's all it needs to sell. I mean, that's, if they, you budget for it, that's the end of it. And again, that was probably. But right subsidized. now, what I think Platinum, what I'm saying is, like, what I think Platinum needs now is a steady stream of business. Yeah. From people who will pay them to do what they do. Yeah. Because um, Activision subsidized the development of that. Yeah. And, yeah, and they'll you know continue to do that. Yeah. Um, and again, if those games continue to perform adequately, uh, and Platinum, you know, and Platinum's already been doing this with Legend of Korra and the Ninja Turtles game. If Platinum can kind of have this side business of like we make licensed stuff that isn't horrible. Um, I mean, that would pretty much make them the only game in town in that regard. Yeah. Uh, that could be a valuable thing, you know, in the same way that High Moon used to be sort of the Transformers go-to before they started being forced to just work on Call of Duty stuff. Um, if Platinum can carve that niche out to kind of keep them, like, as a, kind of a, like a life vest, in the meantime, they can work on their Bayonettas or whatever, you know, they're, they're more, you know, near and kind of their more uh, meaningful projects, for lack of a better word, like that, you know, that would be a good equilibrium to strike if they can figure it out. I just hope this scale-bound thing doesn't, like, dent them so hard that they never come back from it. So, final question on this topic. Matt, do you think scale-bound will ever be released? No. No. I think Microsoft will throw that in the vault. We'll never see it again. Unless Microsoft decides down the road, like, well, maybe we could, like, patch this up and get it done. Um, but I don't, like, in terms of, like, someone else buying it, I don't think that's gonna. I don't think Microsoft is gonna be willing to do that to give the advantage to anybody else. But what if a publisher promised to only release it on, or they signed a deal that said this will only release it for PC and Xbox platforms? Apparently, it doesn't run right. So yeah, like, who knows? I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like Scorpio comes along, mm -hmm. some publisher is like, "Man, we don't have anything for Scorpio." Hey, let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. I, I still think there's hope for it. I, I just can't see a game being this far along and looking this good and it just never coming out. Like, most games that get canceled, you see it, and they're like some rough prototype that mm -hmm. barely runs and half the world is built and there's like one level that you could actually play from beginning to end. Like, this game is like done. And it looks like a high-quality, big-budget game. Mm -hmm. And I just, there's so much money there. Microsoft maybe wanted to recoup its money on it a little bit and let somebody else take the risk. Like... I don't. I am not willing to completely write off Scalebound yet. I think there might be a slight chance that somehow, some way, we end up getting to play it somehow. Well, so. I hope you're right. I don't. I don't really think that'll happen, but we'll see. I'll. Uh, I'll bet on me and hope for you. Okay. There so. you go. All right. Let's... Also reminds me of I. I'm, for whatever reason, when you were saying, I just thought of um, the California Raisins, the Grape Escape. On the, oh, on, right. on the NES. That was done. <laughs> like, game players did a whole strategy guide screen by screen of it in yeah. one of their magazines, and, like, it never came out. Yeah, that's, that is crazy. That's that strategy that's guides yeah. for a game, and then it never Like, all released. the physical media related to it actually came out, but the game never showed up. I mean, that is a last-minute pull, because, yeah. I mean, they had sent code out, 
yeah. to journalists at that point, that is pretty rare. That is about as close as I think I've ever seen something get to release and not come out. But that was also when games cost like <laughs> 300000 yeah. to develop. Like I mean, there were like five guys. I mean, you've got to guess there's tens of millions of dollars already in this. Oh, yeah. So Easy. Just marketing alone, you're in the millions. I mean, I don't know. I think a publisher comes to Microsoft and says, hey, here's what do you got in this so far? Mm-hmm. We'll give you that. Give us the rights to the IP. We will sign a contract with you saying we'll only put it out on PC and Xbox platforms. I think there is still maybe a chance. So I mean, maybe Capcom. Yeah. Or Bandai Namco. They have the money to do it. Yeah, I guess so. Or like... Even Koei Tecmo, I mean... Koei could if they wanted to. I don't know if they're interested in getting into that, but... They'll, they'll replace the guy with the guy with the headphones with, like, you know, Dynasty Warriors characters. Trying to stay optimistic. So we'll see. It's time to move on to the next topic, which is our big predictions for 2017. Both of, you, both of us are going to share two predictions with you guys. Um, we could have probably sat here and did a whole episode on predictions if we really wanted to. Um, but we didn't. We're just going to pick two. So I wanted to keep them tight and keep them fun. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, what is your first prediction for 2017? Uh, my first prediction, and I hope people appreciate the gravity of this because they know uh, what some of my purchases were last year. I think VR is going to continue to fade and nothing fade, fade and nothing released uh, this year is going to become that must-buy game that gets the mainstream to pay attention to it. I mean, I agree with that. I don't think that's even like a crazy prediction. I, th- I, I don't. I, don't I mean, see I think that all the evidence right, right. now I is pointing so. in that direction. And I think, uh, I mean, anything can happen. We don't know what's going to be announced or what's going to, you know, catch fire in the public imagination. But right now, looking down that road, I don't see it. The only thing that's going to change it, Matt, is if the price just falls through the floor. Right. That's it. Like, they need to cut the price at least in half. Mm. I mean, one thing I will say is PlayStation VR is sold out everywhere right now. It's selling on eBay for, like, four or five, like, at least an extra $100 over retail. So, it looks like people are willing to give VR a shot if it's within a reasonable price range. Um, but when you're asking people to spend, and we've talked about this dozens of times before, when you're asking people to spend $800 just on the VR gear, and then they need this crazy PC, and most people don't have PCs anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, for most people, it really isn't just an $800 purchase. No. It is a $2,000 purchase. And unless you're filthy rich and just swimming in disposable income, you're never going to do that. You're never going to commit to it. And even if you are, there's not a tremendously compelling reason. There's not to to do it anyway. You know, like I mean, it's. I mean, right now the only the only people killer know, app would be Resident Evil Seven. Yeah, the only people the only people I know that have them right now are they have it for some kind of business related. You know, we have it because we have we talk to. about it on the show. I have yeah. friends who have it because they they're developing for it. I mean, it's like. I don't know anyone who is unrelated to the industry who's just a game fan who went out and bought it. I'll say Not one in real thing. life, only online. Every year I do this. When I come back from the holidays and we do a show, and whether it's been this show or it was Invisible Walls back in the day, it's always my chance to kind of mingle with the rank and file. And not just the rank and file, but the people who buy a ton of games and play a ton of games. Pretty much all my relatives are gamers. They're all into games. Like, pretty hardcore. Um, they're not like us, but they buy, you know, most of them buy 10 mm. to 15 games a year. They know more than the, the top 10 sellers of the year. Yeah. yeah, And so it was interesting because the thing that everybody asked me about was VR mm-hmm. this year. Every well, single one of them. That's the well, first thing they asked me about. Because it's compelling. But it's just like, 
I, maybe we have to wait until the, the you know the generation we're in now gets replaced by the next wave of headsets and the old headsets you know become basically but because I know that you know there is actually people don't maybe don't realize this in the hardcore world but anybody who's worked in a in a especially a, a non chain gaming store or a pawn shop will know this there's a whole second audience that picks up game consoles the the generation after their current um, yeah. because they can't afford. Yeah, yeah. Uh, For sure. the, the the current stuff, and so that stuff gets a whole new life, sort of after that. And that was you know that was the, of the bread and butter of the store I I worked at and ran in 1998 1999 was you know everybody was all about the Dreamcast and all of it, but uh, you know the Dreamcast was coming out, the PlayStation Two was on on the cusp of coming out, but everybody wanted uh, you know they were all about Super Nintendo and Genesis and starting to slowly move into PlayStation One and N64 stuff. Yeah, um, and just because of you know the budget everybody that came in that store was on. And uh, I think VR is going to become that for everyone. Like, I've, I think, you're, you know, eventually I'm sure, because, you know, we're not going to be, you know, we're paying 3DO prices for these things now. And yeah. Eventually we will not have to do that. But for now, their hope, I think, is in secondhand sales and clearance of the first generation of headsets. Uh, I think that's where you get into the hands of, of people who can actually make this thing catch critical mass. Yeah, my relatives, you know, everyone's at the age now where they're all married and they have kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the female parts of my family, they always reach out to me and say, hey, what do I buy my brother-in-law or my uncle or my cousin or whatever? They need help buying games for their significant other, the male in their life. And the first thing they would always ask me this year was, what's up with VR? You know, he mentioned VR and I, you know, I would walk them through it. I'd talk to them about, you mm-hmm. know, PlayStation VR is the lower end, but it's cheaper and a little more affordable. Then I'd talk about Vive, and I'd talk about Oculus Rift. And inevitably, they'd cut me off and say, what's up with the Gear VR? Hmm. <laughs> because, you know, 80 to to $100, or free if you get mm. a new phone, is more in the realm of reason for most people for virtual reality. So that's how the conversation would start, and then the conversation would inevitably finish with, did it make you sick? Hmm. That was always their second question. Does, did it make you sick? And I would say, yes, it did make me <laughs> sick. Still trying to fight through it. And I was encouraged a little bit, I will say, by that uh, survey that they did of GDC attendees for GDC 2017. They asked developers <coughs> if VR makes them sick, and 40-plus percent said that it does make mm. them sick. So I don't feel like such an outlier like freak now like I did for a while there. So I agree with you. There's no compelling game for it yet. Resident Evil 7, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, but other than that game, there is just, there's no killer app. There's nothing that's going to make people get it. And I honestly think the killer apps for those things are the really simple, like, sports games. Like, anything really simple where you just are smacking a handball back and forth or playing dodgeball. Like, that's where I have the most fun with it, it seems like. Or Mm -hmm. social situations, like Werewolves Within or Star Trek Bridge Crew. But it's hard, you can't really demo that for people. Mm -hmm. Because you're never going to go to a Best Buy and they're going to have six... Rig right. set up with everybody. I mean, that was what would sell it. But the cost is so prohibitive. You start talking mm. about Best Buy, probably has a couple thousand retail outlets around the U.S. It's like, how could you ever afford to set up all mm. those rigs for people to try? It's just never going to happen. And what they sh- what's what they need probably is a really good two-player game that they could demo in that manner that has that same sort of sense of presence that 
werewolves and uh, in Star Trek, like that. Like I've, I've described that moment where I looked over in Star Trek at, down down the console, and the guy who was playing the game next to me looked at me and waved. Yeah. Because it because the motion the the Oculus the Oculus Touch thing like tracked right. Where it was yeah. And like. It was like magic. It was a magic <laughs> moment. Is, yeah, you know, it was yeah, one yeah. of those moments where you're like, "Oh my god!" Like you're, I'm never gonna forget that. I'm never gonna forget that stupid guy in the in the in the yellow Star Trek shirt going like, hey, like that. Well, it makes me giggle. And it's like, like the first time I leaned over to whisper to someone and werewolves within. Yeah. Like you know, they start leaning towards me and they get, their face gets closer and closer and closer until I'm like looking up their nose holes and I'm like, "This is insane!" I just started giggling and like laughing. It's mm-hmm. it, it can't they can supply those magic moments. I just don't think people know it. I don't no. think they are probably going to get a chance to experience. I think you it. need you need to give like the, you know the bridge crew thing is great and all that stuff, but like you need a, an experience that is just two people that manage to do it. even something as simple as you know what I would probably try to do. And it's uh, this is my '80s kid uh, bias coming out. I would do that disc game from Tron. Yeah. I you know, not like discs of Tron. I would do, you know, in the movie where they've got the highlight basket right. things and all I would do that in VR where you can kind of wave and hold the thing up and it all works based on like the angle you think. I would have there are already two games things kind sort of, of like but it, like yeah. do it for real. Like get yeah. Disney involved. You mean like, like license do, it. License it, do the whole thing. Give it the give it the presentation it needs, and give it a thing where you both you know you got into, go into a store demo key thing, and they put the things on you, and you see each other, and do and that you know give people that experience of this other person being present, and then make it clear to like yeah you can do that online, like like you can play this you know Star Trek you can play online, Werewolves you can play online, and that is still you can have that feeling of playing with someone on the couch in virtual reality, and you know once and also. I know they keep pitching this, uh, various companies pitch it, and Facebook has talked about it as like, you know, movie watching, mo- watching movies with all your friends in a virtual theater. Yeah. Like that. I mean, the, the, the headset, uh, you know, resolution is not there. I would not watch a I movie in that yeah, yet because they're, they're just not good enough yet. Yeah. But, you know, one or two generations down the road, that could be feasible. And like, you Are know, we going to get there, though, with what's happening that's a good, right that's now? That's the question. I mean, right. no one's making money. Like, no. one of the developers came out last year and said nobody makes money on these. Nobody would be making games for them if the platform holders weren't giving them money to make the mm-hmm. games. So the what? question becomes, when does that subsidy, those those incentive payments mm-hmm. dry up? Well, it may not be this time. I mean, you basically. got Facebook with Oculus. Like, right. that is probably... At this point, the safest bet, I'd hate to say. Even though PlayStation VR has the bigger installed mm-hmm. base, I mean, are you seeing any PlayStation VR games being announced? Not yet. Not really. Well, here's the thing. It's like, you know, it, it might be too soon. And I, I think I've talked about that before, you know, last year, but almost exactly a year about A, too soon, and B, being too soon in terms of hardware and such in this industry never helps you. Uh, and as a Sega fan, I can say that empirically because Sega has always been ahead of the curve, and it always bit them in the ass. Uh, they had the Sega CD so early, and it was it was cool, but there wasn't really anything there yet, and they were never able to sell it in critical mass. You know, or X Band. You know, you can't look at X Band and be like, oh, well, online games is never going to be a thing because what it was, it was too soon. The yeah. tech wasn't there; it cost too much. People didn't have the infrastructure in place. Uh, so, like, what might happen here is, you know, this generation of headsets just doesn't work. Everybody just decides to kind of shut things down. Oculus goes quiet for a while, and maybe 10 years from now they try again with better hardware and more reasonable prices, and then it works. I mean, look, it already... One day it will happen, but it might not be now. It know? already shut down one studio. Yeah. It shut down Gorilla Cambridge, and some people could argue it shut down Crytek. I mean, Crytek mm. has kind of consolidated seven studios down into like two, I think now. Mm. And Crytek used to be a big player in the industry. Oh, yeah. But if you look at all its games in the last 
few years. It's all VR. They went in hard on the VR, yeah. And then, yeah, I could have told them that's a horrible mistake to make. Like, you don't gamble your entire company on an unproven technology like that. Over-specialize I mean, and you breed in weakness. I mean, look, I'm sure their exec will say it was all or nothing. You know, I, we could have hit it big and become blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you don't gamble your entire company on something mm-hmm. like that. It's like, sure, place. it's just like how you manage your 401k. Not it's if you like, don't have to. It's like you put right. the bulk of it in like a mutual fund that you know is just going to slowly grow over time, and you take little pieces of it and put it in riskier investments. That's a smart way to invest, no matter what you're doing. And so, mm. and it's like the thing with Crytek is they didn't have to risk the company. Like they were fine. I mean, they weren't like blowing up, but they, you know, I, I feel like they had things on a stable ground. And it's not like you know there was a there was a great article about uh, Square, the early days of Square on Polygon this week about. Um, how basically they risked the company on Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Like, on going PlayStation. No, that was a great article, by the and way. Like, it's on Sifted. You guys should read it. But, like, you go back and you think about those times, they didn't have a choice. Yeah. Like, it was, it was you know, you were going to either succeed or fail, and the company was going to take off or die, depending on which platform you picked, and you had to... You know, no one knew which the right, which one was right. But well, the that platforms was, were so different they had then, to. too. Because you had the yeah. disc-based PlayStation and the cart-based There was no way to hedge that bet, basically. Right. But with Crytek, yeah. I feel like you didn't have to no, do that with VR at all. you definitely didn't have to do that. Here, here's the last thing I'll say about this. Over the holidays, everyone was talking about VR. No Nobody one had it. Nobody bought it. Yeah. Nobody had it. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's my turn for my also, first prediction. Uh, I'll I one more thing about the VR thing that, uh, in related to your nausea thing. Um, I, we were a couple people that came over and visited, and uh, um, I've had a few people like that just turned it down. Didn't want to do they're it. Afraid, they they're heard. afraid of getting sick. Well, one thing I'll say about it is like, it's a crappy sickness. It doesn't like go away. It's not like you take off the helmet and you're just fine then. Like mm-hmm. I literally will have to it lay sticks. down for like two or three hours before my body like works its way out of it. It's very weird, and it's not. It's not even like nauseous. It's just this unsettled unwell feeling that just overcomes like your whole body and you don't want to do anything like you literally just want to sit in a dark room like laying down and just wait for it to get to go like i usually just try to go to sleep hoping that when i wake up from a nap like it'll be gone so once it happens once you don't want to have it happen again and i continue to go back in like i keep (laughs) doing it i'm like trying to get over the hump i'm hoping it'll happen but i mean i'll be honest i have not used my vr stuff in a long time i mean i I used uh the playstation vr to play uh i expect you to die when that came out yeah i I mean that was what before we went off for for the holidays yeah um i haven't touched them i haven't played it in 2017 actually i picked up my vibe the other day because i tried to play something on steam i don't remember what it was but every once in a while something will start up on steam and for some reason, it will automatically default to the Vive. Oh. And so I was like, "Where? Why is this all weird?" And jump, and I'm like, "Oh!" oh. You fu- I, I, I look in the Vive, I'm like, oh. and then of course, there's no way to quit right. through the monitor. So I had to like put the thing on and like figure, you know, and like the the space wasn't set up for VR, so I had to kind of yeah, lean back and use right. the controls. Yeah. I'm like, I was like, "This is stupid." What the? That's another big problem with VR: the setup and like like my wife had some people over this weekend, some of her friends, and uh, they all wanted to try it, and she had made me like kind of put everything back for when we brought in the Christmas tree and everything. Mm-hmm. And so I hadn't really got it all set up right away. And I was like, it's honestly going to take like 30 minutes to get it set up. And they were like, I'll forget it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's not looking good for VR people. If you're thinking about buying one, I would probably hold off on that. Yeah. And I'm, 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 try, I'm trying to impress that I'm not just trying to naysay because I do own two of these things, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like I just don't, it's not looking good. It's really not. All right. Time for my first prediction for 2017. 
I don't know if this is controversial or not, but we'll see. It'll be controversial in certain circles. Yeah. Okay, so my first prediction for 2017 is that the Nintendo Switch will sell less than 5 million units in 2017. I mean, the question becomes, is Nintendo going to produce that many? Well, they said 2 million in the launch window. 2 million window. at launch, yeah. Yeah. Presumably, they'll make at least that many for Christmas. Yeah, you know, at least, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Look, <laughs> it's not going to be an issue of there not being supply. Right. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's That's not going to be it. Like, if that were it, they'd sell 10 million. <laughs> they, Shipped, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, if, if the demand is there, they're just going to fire up all the factories they have and just start cranking them out as quickly as they can, like they did with the Wii. The Wii had that three-month period after it launched where it was hard to find one. And then I mean, there was just like, pow. There was mm-hmm. just millions and millions of them in stores. And I think, you know, that would be the, that'll probably be the case with this mm-hmm. if the demand stays there. But if you remember, the Wii, during that whole three-month period, you go on eBay, they were double, triple, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, the demand never fell out. Kind of like the NES Classic. The demand for that still has not fallen through the floor. I don't see that happening with the Switch. Mm-hmm. I, uh... The more I see of it, the more I think about it, the more information I get about it. And we're going to talk about the Switch on down the show, so I don't want to spend too much right. time on it here. The less excited I am for it. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like 5 million might even be a little high. Maybe. Like, I think, I, I agree. I mean, this was basically my other prediction originally when you asked me for them. That I think it'll, you know, it'll sell out at launch. Because um, you can sell two million Nintendo anything's to the Nintendo fan base. Yeah. Uh, but I think it will struggle to find traction this holiday season. Yeah. Well, I mean, the holiday season. Wait till you hit that law in the middle where all you have is like Splatoon two. Oh yeah, and, like, but they'll Mario be. Kart-y. I mean, they'll all be gone. It'll still be scarce that period of time. You think, I think. so? I, th- I think you won't see massive shipments of the thing until September. Until Mario's ready to go. That'll be the because they clearly want to launch this in fall and they can't. Yeah. So it, this is kind of a soft launch. I think the March launch. I just... I mean, $2 million isn't all that soft, but you can sell it, it will sell, and then when it comes time to kind of break out of that enthusiast bubble, I don't think it can do it. Not this year. I just don't... Is, there's just no incentive to buy it. Not for that price. I mean... Especially when you consider the extra... You know, I, I talked... I, how many times did I bring up the accessory thing over the months leading up to this? And, like, that's exactly what they're doing. They're nickel and diming. I mean, nickel and diming seems like the wrong term because these things cost an obscene amount of money. It is, But, yeah. like... The sunk cost for getting into it, I mean, it's kind of a VR thing. It's like to have everything you need to do this right, you're spending way more than just the price of the basic hardware. I am And I not... think that's going to be, and stores are going to be, you know, obsessively bundling all this stuff because they don't want those accessories sitting on the shelves. So the, the cost of entry is going to be prohibitively high. Because that's what could happen, too, is if it looks like they have all this stock that's yeah. not going to move, they start bundling all that stuff together. Yeah. Well, that happened with the Wii U, too. Like, they started, like, you know, it sold very well at launch, and then a few months later when they finally got back in stores, I, I remember going, like, kind of poking around saying, oh, maybe I'll pick one up since Bayonetta's coming. But I, all, it was all $500 bundles. It yeah. was all, you know, it was like, oh, we want you to buy this, and then the extra controller, and then two games you don't want, and then, like, this carrying case thing. And it was, I was like, well, forget that. I'm not going to do that. So... Uh, I think the stores are going to, you know, they always do that with all these things. And uh, I think you're going to run into that and it's going to be like, oh, I just wanted the system and well, I'm not going to do that. So like if you're not buying it through Amazon on its own, which uh, may or may not be available, like that's the inter- can be the interesting thing too is which retail channels do better than others. Yeah. Because yeah, a lot of well, times... I think North America will do the best of them all. Probably. But like I'm just saying, I'm saying like which um, like method of purchase, so, like, you know, because like uh, Lego Dimensions... Uh, it, you know, it's been doing pretty well, 
But the the thing became like uh, over the over Christmas, everybody wanted like a mention stuff because the new, new year came out and like they're expensive, so kids asked for them for Christmas. They were gone on Amazon for a month. Like there was, you could not buy Lego Dimensions directly from Amazon on Amazon. Any of the sets, anything like that. But you go to like a Toys R Us and there's just a wall of them everywhere, like discounted like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. So if you looked at Amazon, you'd think this thing, oh my God, this is the toy, this toy the Christmas this year. You know, right. the, it's, it, you know forget Hatchimals, this is the big yeah. deal. You go to Toys R Us, like, oh, they can't even sell these things. Like, right. oh. So like, I'm wondering if there's going to be a big difference between online retailer and brick and mortar deal, retailers for the Switch, depending on how many bundles they're trying to make you buy at retail. But basically how I got to the 5 million number. And look, I picked the number that I thought was close to what I think it's going to sell. Because otherwise, it's not mm -hmm. fun. It's like, right. you can just choose an arbitrary number and make sure you're right. I wanted to make it an gonna exciting prediction. going to sell less prediction. than 500 million units. So the way, right. Easy. Exactly. So the no way, question. Right. So the way I looked at it was, 3 million they'll sell in the U.S. this year, mm. a million in Europe, a million in Japan, which is probably too much. That's but that's why I said it'll sell less than mm. 5 million. And the big thing, I mean, the big thing about the Switch, I think you have to remember right, in this conversation, is you have to remember... We can't judge it by the launch, because if you judge the Wii U by the launch, it was also going to be a big hit. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get we'll talk about the launch line so, up here in a little yeah. bit, but I just mean sale. Like, you know, if you're, it's like, well, I can't find it in a store. It must be amazingly popular. It's like, well, everything sells out. The of big hang-up is that the two million people that we were talking about earlier that are going to buy this at launch, they all have Wii U's. All right. And yeah. the only game really to get the Switch for is Zelda. Mm -hmm. And Zelda's coming out for the Wii U. Well, you so, want to play that game where you like make paper have sex with each, with each other? Snipper clips. Yeah, that game actually looks awesome. That game looks pornographic it's, in places. Like, <laughs> it does. Like, is this an M-rated paper cutting game? Yeah. <laughs> a couple of those facial expressions are a little non-Nintendo. Yeah, that's a, it's a really creative game though. Oh, yeah, it's one of the better Switch games I've seen, sadly. <laughs> so at least it's twenty bucks. Yeah. Exactly. So, our, like I said, we're going to talk about Switch a little bit more later on in the show. We're going to catch you guys all up on everything that's happened since the big unveiling. So, we'll get back to Switch in a bit. Matt, what's your second prediction for 2017? The second prediction, I mean, my second prediction was pretty much the same Switch thing. Right. Uh, so, uh, this prediction is maybe not a big risk, uh, but I'm saying Star Citizen still doesn't come out in 2017. Really? And maybe no one else cares but about Star But then they Star just Citizen. put out, like, the... the Alpha 2.6 or whatever. Yeah, they're putting alphas out for two years. Like, and they said, you know, Squadron 42, the single player campaign was supposed to launch like last November, or December, and now they're like, oh, uh, no, never mind. Well, they they're continually showing changed engines, right? Well, they changed. I mean, the, the engine kind of. thing was kind of built in to jump to uh, was it Lumberyard? Yeah. Um, which is the dumbest name for a really game engine is. I've I ever. I mean, I, I think it's because Amazon is a forest, and you cut trees. I don't know. With what all the hell due respect to Garnet Lee, who works at the mm. lumberyard portion of Amazon, but yeah, yeah it's a I'm really sure he didn't dumb pick the name. No, he did not pick no. the name. I guarantee it. Uh, but it's like, uh, from what I understand, like the transition to that engine is going to be pretty smooth overall, uh, and is mainly being done because Crytek is no longer in a position to uh, provide support. Right. Um, but the bigger issue is, you know, you're running into this whole, you know, I'm, I am a backer on that game, and I've played most of the... You're more than a backer. Oh, yeah. Most of the things <laughs> you're, they... <laughs> you're in big time. Not not by Star Citizen standards. Really? Not remotely. Yeah, I saw a story There's last week about... people that are in this game for $100,000, man. There's a guy who bought 100 freelancers, which cost, like, 125 bucks each. I saw there was an editorial someone wrote last week on some site in Europe where basically the editor said, stop buying 
Star Citizen stuff. Well, I don't know why anybody's buying Star because Citizen Because he contends stuff. exactly what you're saying, that he didn't think the game was ever going to get finished and come out, and that these people are going to be left with mm -hmm. these virtual nothings that they spent thousands of... Well, and I, I hope I, it doesn't I, happen to you. That really, really sucks. Well, I think it is going to ha come out. I just think what's going to come out is not at all what anybody's... You know, what people that are spending these exorbitant amounts of money are expecting it to be. The thing I don't get... I mean, look... Uh, what, they cut off lifetime... Because lifetime insurance was the big draw of a lot of these ships. Um, what does that mean, lifetime insurance? That means, basically, the game is an open-world, kind of multi massively multiplayer thing to some degree. And if your ship gets blown up, that's it. Uh. So if you have insurance, which you pay for in the game through game money, uh, then you can get your ship back. Lifetime insurance is something that comes when you pledged for on the Kickstarter, or, or I think it went to like November 23rd, the year after the Kickstarter. You bought a ship, it got lifetime insurance, which means if in, in the game it gets blown up, it, another one it automatically spawns in your hangar. You, always get, you don't get your add-ons and your better. customization stuff back, but it pops back up. That ended on November 23rd or something, 2013 or something. And um, af so after that, it, with the exception of like specials they do, or new ships they premiere... Anything, all the ships you buy do not have lifetime insurance. You would have to buy insurance in the game with in-game currency, which you can also buy in-game currency with real, real money, money, apparently. Yeah. Um, Dude, that's insane that people are now so I'm like, paying I, real money so the last for money insurance I spent, oh yeah. for fake things. For imaginary spaceships. That's yeah. crazy. So for the, the world we live so in. So the last money I spent on that was I bought one of the lifetime insurance I uh, paid insurance fighters. for my car. Lifetime insurance fighters. Uh, that was on special before they shut that whole thing down. I'm like, and after that, I'm like, why would you ever spend money on something that could get blown up and it's gone? Right, but look how mad people will be if they spend all this money on a ship in Cannon Ford Insurance and the ship blows up. Mm -hmm. Dude, there will be people like rioting outside their studio. Well, you, did you see how much like the, the Corvettes cost? Uh -uh. The, you know, these are big, like, these are like small end cap ships. Right. Like $2,000. And they sell out like that. Like, they're gone in 30 seconds. How do they sell out? Because they only put up, like, 10 or whatever. Oh, 10, really? 10 to 30 or whatever. Even like though that. they can just push a button and make another 5000 Well, 5, because they don't want to have everybody. I'm like, not, not everyone's going to buy the $1,200 ship, bro. Like, but why wouldn't you just make as many available as you want? Because they're trying to pretend there's going to be some kind of balance. And, and it makes them feel scarce. Dude, and so this whole thing sounds like a scam. I don't think it is. A, I don't, <laughs> I think, think, it I don't think it's a scam, but I do think it's going to launch, and people are not going to be ready for what it really is. Yeah. And, oh, and the other thing, you know, there's like an on foot. There's like Star Marine. There's the on foot first person yeah. shooter. That is never going to feel good. Yeah, like I played the. I've the, seen the gameplay. It doesn't look terrible. It, it, it doesn't look really terrible. Generic. But if you play it, it doesn't feel. You know, it feels oh. like playing one of those like you know floaty, floaty like you know those games. Like you remember like when like Encore used to put out those like weird yeah. Eastern European shooters yeah. like back in like the early two thousands. You're like. It just never quite felt like the like the top end like yeah, shooters. Yeah, I you know just, exactly what you're saying. It, I think I think Star Citizen's like Marine stuff is always going to feel like that. It's never going. To, it's never going to quite feel grounded. It's never going to feel like Doom. It's With all gonna, the money they have, they could have hired. It's the second the most best expensive people. game ever made yeah. at this point. Only it's, after Star Wars: The Old Republic. Well, they've crowdfunded what two hundred million at this point, or no, they're like one hundred and sixty-one million. Oh, I, think I thought that the last thing I saw was like one. Not at two hundred or something. No, they're not that far yet. That's crazy. Uh, they'll probably get there. I mean, <coughs> the, the, the king right now is Star Wars The Old Republic, which is $200 million. Which, by the way, Star Wars The Old Republic costs $200 million to make. You know how they spent marketing that? $400 million. $10 million. That's it? According to the article I read. What? They only spent $10 million on marketing for a game they spent $200 million on. And they on. expected it to succeed? 
Well, still going. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was really a success, though. I have no idea. We'll probably never know. It's kind of like sure. a squirrel running on a wheel. But I think, you know, this the game probably will launch at some point. I don't think this year. Um, and and I, I don't count like, oh, here's Squadron 42 Alpha 0.006. I mean, I'm talking like 1.0. You can go buy this thing. It's not early access. It's not anything. Right. That's not this year. Um, and like... Not even for just one of the modules. Not, I mean... Are you not, saying the whole thing? Well, there's two separate things. Right. Squadron 42 is separate from the Star Citizen game. They're like... One's like the campaign. Squadron 42 is the campaign, single player. And, and Star they've, Citizen they've said is that, the They've open... said that will come out first. And then Star Citizen is the MMO uh, component, Space and that will come shooting. out later. Yeah. Um, but I don't think either of them will be out in a 1.0 version this year. Right. Um, and they continue... You know, you see like, like that demo that happened at... Uh, was it Gamescom? Uh, that was where they go through the elevators yeah, yeah. and all that like, that was really awesome. That's not what the new update's going to look like. It's like the demo they showed the year before saying that was going to be the 2.0 hangar edition, and the 2.0 came out, it was nothing like that. The other thing I would say 2.5, is that whatever. the whole thing seems really confusing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it is so for... someone who's not bought the ships, and, I mean, I've obviously been exposed to it a great deal, and I've talked with you about it a bunch of times, and I've done a lot of reading on it. I still don't really get... The whole thing, the way it's all structured, the way well, it's coming tell, out. I'm telling and... you the bare bones understanding. I mean, because I don't keep up with it either, really. Yeah. Because this is like at this, it's like any Kickstarter I did, where it's like, all right, I'm just going to wait until you're out. out. Yeah. You know, I, it's, you know the, the, probably the Kickstarter I followed the most during development was Mighty Number no. Nine, and that was just because it was so entertaining, because of all the crazy shit was going on. Nolan Elric says we will soon find out that L. Ron Hubbard is behind it all. Would it surprise <laughs> anyone, really? Like, I mean, it is that's getting good. to the point. And, like, you know, there is a weird cult-like mentality that's, yeah. that's sort of Well, when you put that kind of money form. into yeah. something, that's what happens. True. Yeah. Like it's, and my biggest question is when that thing finally comes out, will these people be able to admit to themselves that it's not really very good? Because no. like, you're going to have, like, kind of, it's going to be like I no mean, man's... we're kind of seeing that with the whole presidential thing True. right now. But it's going to be like, no, I think it's going to be like No Man's Sky... Like magnified by a thousand because you're going to have people that at least you know you, these people some of these people spent six figures on this game and they are not going to be able to admit to themselves that this is not good and there's going to be people that you know just are interested in playing this space game by the guy who made Wing Commander like and they're going to be like this is terrible like what is it and and it's I think it's going to be one of the biggest like crazy drama blowups in in PC gaming maybe maybe no one outside of PC gaming cares but well there's that famous quote from Mark Twain I think it is uh, it's easier to fool people than to convince them that they have been fooled. True. Yeah. So we'll just cap that one on that. That should be the tagline of Star Citizen <laughs> at this point. Like, I don't think they're trying to scam people, but uh, I don't... My thing is, like, I don't think Star Citizen is a outright, like, intentional scam, but I don't... I am not convinced that the people making Star Citizen are up to making the game they're promising. I guess that would be the way I'd put that. All right. So my last prediction for 2017 is that... Xbox One is going to go into a tailspin. And it may sound crazy okay, because... Okay, it says nosedive on the paper. Tailspin, nosedive, whatever. It'll be You're a tailspin your... at first, and then they'll get it right, and then it'll just be a nosedive straight into the all ground. Right. One way or the other, it's going to do something a plane shouldn't be doing. And, cra- and ultimately crash and burn, yeah. I know that may sound crazy when you think back to what happened at the latter half of last mm-hmm. year, where it won, I believe, four months in a row at MPD. I was a best-selling console for several months in a row. But that was Xbox One's grace period. Because if you really look back at 2016 for the PlayStation 4, it was another terrible year of software as far as first-party exclusives are concerned. 
But what's happened now is that we've had these two really bad years of first-party software for PlayStation 4 in a row, and the bow is about to break. All these games are going to come crashing in now. It's what we've been talking about for two years. Like, oh, you just keep waiting. You know, there's all these games. Like, this is a year where they're finally all released. And so that in conjunction with the fact that a lot of people who are smart and savvy, why would they buy an Xbox One this year when they know that Scorpio is going to be coming at the end mm-hmm. of the year? Like, it's hard and to rationalize. At, and in comparison to Sony's lineup for the first half of this year. Yeah. Like, there's... Just no comparison. There's no software. And then they just canceled Scalebound, which is, you know, granted, it isn't like a Halo or something like that that's going to drive a ton of hardware, but it is kind of one of those, like, kind of cherries on top of the Sunday thing that could help put somebody over the top on whether they buy it or not. Mm-hmm. But you look at the exclusives for Xbox One this year. I mean, we talked about them earlier. You've got, like, Sea of Thieves, which I'm excited about, but a lot of people probably don't even know it exists. Another Forza is coming. Halo Wars 2. Probably Crackdown mm-hmm. 3. There's no Halo this year. There's still milk, milk and Halo 5 with DLC. There's just... It's hard to find a compelling reason to buy an Xbox One now. It's like, hard to find a compelling reason to turn it on. It is. I mean, it's... I'm being honest. It is tough. Yeah, I mean, mine... It, mine isn't even in my entertainment center anymore. It's like next to my PC back in our back bedroom now. It's mm-hmm. not even out of my TV because I just don't use it. And... I just think Microsoft's in a bad, bad place right now. I think what really spurred this on for me was seeing how Sony dominated over the Christmas season and seeing them move six point whatever million consoles. And then it came out yesterday that Sony's install base is now double that of Xbox One, even after Xbox One's four months there. And see, what people don't realize is, sure, Xbox One outsold PlayStation 4 during like the worst sales months of the year when nobody was buying hardware. So... So what? Xbox One outsold PlayStation 4 for four months in a row by 20,000 consoles per month. Like, there's 100,000 extra consoles. That's Microsoft cut up, caught up by like 100. When you look at what happened over the holiday season, Sony just took that 100,000 and just squashed mm-hmm. it like a flea. Like, I don't know. And then you start talking about, you know, how all its games are coming to PC as well. And maybe Microsoft doesn't care about Xbox One. And, you know, it's just all about the ecosystem. And as long as people buy for PC or Xbox, they don't care. The bottom line is my prediction is that Xbox One is going to nosedive this year. And I think there are plenty of signs, enough writing on the wall, that I don't even feel like it's a reach. I feel like this is going to be a really tough year for Microsoft. Maybe they can make it up on the back end with Scorpio. I mean, I'm sure that'll drive a ton of revenue because it's looking like it's going to cost four or five hundred bucks or whatever. You know, you sell a million or two of those. That's a nice mm-hmm. little revenue bump towards the end of the year. But there's just I I have problems like recommending. I would never recommend it to anybody. Like I haven't really, to be honest with you. Like it's not like something I've been doing over the last couple of years. Like I almost always recommend PlayStation Four, but now it's even more difficult to even consider. Uh, recommending an Xbox One over a PlayStation 4 to someone who's looking to buy their first console. Um, and then you start talking about the second console market. You know, a lot of people maybe have had their PlayStation 4 since launch, and they're mm. thinking about a second console. Do you think that second console purchase is going to go to Microsoft, or do you think it's going to go to the Switch? Mm. Hard to say. I think it's going to depend on cost. I'm saying it's probably 50-50. Yeah. So you probably half of the people are going to buy Nintendo if they have a predisposition to Nintendo software. The other half are going to say, I remember Halo. I like it. You know, I would rather play that than Mario Kart or a new 3D Mario or Zelda or whatever. So 
I feel like those second console <laughs> people are probably going to go down the middle. Mm-hmm. So half is going to go this way, the other half are going to go that way. So that's not enough, is what I'm saying. Like Microsoft doesn't have the compelling software, it doesn't have the compelling hardware until the end of the year. I just think it's going to be a tough year for Microsoft. I don't think it will win a single month this year in hardware sales, other than maybe when Scorpio launches in November, December, or whenever that happens. So, mm. I don't know if it'll be uh, like that much of a disaster, but I certainly would not want to be in charge of coming up with Xbox's game plan this year. Like, I don't know what, you don't have anything to work with. Yeah, and I mean, the game plan all along should be, we need as much exclusive software mm-hmm. as we can get. And instead, they're canceling projects. So, I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there. Phil Spencer gives a lot of compliments to other publishers, but I never see other publishers giving compliments <laughs> to Microsoft. You ever thought about that? That's yeah, true. Anytime something happens in the industry, you see Phil Spencer saying, congratulations, Sony, on The Last Guardian. Congratulations, Nintendo, on the Switch. You always find new ways... Nobody ever says congratulations to Microsoft. I've never seen Nintendo do it. I've never seen Sony do it. Yeah. It's interesting. We we'll keep an that. eye when they unveil the Scorpio. It's going to be an interesting E3. It will be, definitely. Because, yeah, I'm assuming we'll get the full unveiling of Scorpio mm-hmm. there and probably get the pricing and release date and all that kind of stuff. So that'll make it exciting. But otherwise, I'm looking at Microsoft's press conference and I'm like, eh. I hope they got stuff eh. we don't know about yet. Yeah, I... I mean, I'm sure they do. They must. Something. There'll be a couple things that I'm sure are unannounced and they've been working on behind the scenes. And maybe that's the saving grace. Maybe there's something. Yeah. Maybe there's but, stuff coming out this fall that we just won't be able to believe. But, but look, there's not going to be a new Gears. There's not going to be a new Halo. And the hardware moving potential of those franchises at this point is questionable anyway. I mean, Gears is already discounted all over the place. You can buy right. it for like half price or whatever. Halo... Did probably about what I expected, I guess, is the best way to put it. But it wasn't like a surprise where I was like, oh my gosh, it sold way more than I thought. It's like alive again. It's revived. Like, basically, it was just the Halo fans buying Halo again. So, I feel like this is the year where Microsoft's poor decisions in the prior years really comes back to bite it in the ass. Because mm-hmm. this is the year where all Sony's poor decisions in prior years comes to fruition as a benefit. Mm-hmm. Where all these games that have been pushed and delayed and didn't get finishes on the rate that they should have. I mean, you start looking at the first-party software, I mean, when a Spider-Man game by Insomniac barely cracks my top 10 exclusives for a platform, it's going to be a good year. So, I don't know. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong. Like, I'm one of those people who wants to see everybody succeed because you, it just it's better for the industry as a whole. If everyone's successful, there's more software being made. There's more creative minds working on software to come up with something really cool or something really unique. So, I hope I'm wrong, but just looking at the evidence... That's where I think it's headed. So let's move on. I'm going to talk next about yesterday, Electronic Electronic Arts announced that it is once again leaving E3. Well, not, I guess if it's already left, it can't leave Mm -hmm. again, but it will not be at E3 once again. Um, Not only that, EA has moved its whole thing completely away from downtown Los Angeles to Hollywood. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that, Matt? Wasn't well, it? It's also the weekend before now. Yeah, yeah. That's dumb. I don't. I don't agree with that because if you don't live here, getting around this city is difficult, and getting yeah. into Hollywood in particular is a pain in the ass. And like, there's no need for like. like it's just. I don't remember where they are in Hollywood, but just the they when doesn't you say, matter. Yeah, when you say <laughs> really you got to go to Hollywood to see EA's thing, I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going to see EA's thing. Yeah, because I ain't going to Hollywood for that. And like, if you're staying downtown for E3 and now you got to make the trek out, I mean, that's a pain. I mean, it's bad enough when you got to go there for parties. 
Well, the other thing, the other thing too is that the weekend before E3 is a total shit show. Yeah. Because you're prepping for E3, your biggest week of the entire year. It's like I used to go to like B4, which was right. like this industry party that happened on Sunday night, the night before. But now, like Bethesda does its press conference, mm -hmm. and all these things are happening the weekend before. It makes it increasingly more difficult to go to another one of these things during that weekend. Like, I probably won't make it. Mm -hmm. And I just I fail to see the logic. Like, how much easier is it for us if they just have their stupid booth in the convention center? Yeah. And we can walk... 20 feet from one booth to their booth, and I feel like the coverage will be better. I mean, I, look, I realize the whole idea behind this thing is that the traditional press is becoming increasingly irrelevant, and it wants to work with influencers and things like that, but the influencers are going to go to E3 too, mm -hmm. and they're going to be doing all their prep for E3 as well. You're never going to get as much dedicated and focused time out of whether you want to talk about the traditional press or the influencers then you get if you have a booth on the floor like people are guaranteed to show up mm -hmm. and people probably don't realize this but if you're downtown and most people are going to be staying in hotels downtown because that's where e3 happens getting from downtown to hollywood can take mm -hmm. 35 to 40 minutes on a bad day an hour i i don't get it well, it's just they, they don't care about the spectacle aspect of e3 i mean that's the thing ea still goes to e3 their their people are there making those deals and talking to having the right, meetings right. and yeah. talking to you know, signing develop their, developers yeah. and the games. thing E three is for yeah. they're still there doing that yeah. but in terms of the the spectacle for the press and the public they don't care about that anymore they'll they'll do this EA play thing off you know probably they're moving it to Hollywood because it's cheaper than renting LA Live out uh, they'll go do it for less money they'll say it's about the peop you know it's about the players it's not about the press it's not about the industry. Uh, you know, they do it that weekend. Maybe, maybe they don't want you coming. Maybe right. they prefer just having gamers show up and not press and not industry. And it's like we're going to have this little thing, and people will cover it as they need to. The mainstream press will come cover it anyway. CNN, all those, you know, the, 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 they'll will get covered. They yeah, they'll do it because it's part I don't of think the E3 thing. Last year, though. Well, because it was part of the E3 thing. Now, I think they're trying to bet that if they do it more separate, make it kind of the first, the first thing you can do a story on for E3. Maybe they'll get some eyes that way from like you know less savvy non-industry types, um, but in general that move to me says like we don't care about the spectacle aspect of E3 anymore. We're there for the business part, and we're going to do this to show that we're involved, but we're not going to like bust our ass to make it look like we're right there at next to you, you know. Like it, it doesn't make sense for me as an as an attendee as part of the press, but like like you say, they're you know the press is becoming increasingly irrelevant. If you're EA, you're probably big enough that you don't really need to worry about that. Uh, any relevant press people will still be doing stories and preview coverage of you post E3 as the games, you know, come up to launch. And who knows? I mean, who knows what they have planned? They got a Star Wars game this year. You know, who knows what they got going on in Hollywood for Star right. Wars and all that stuff. That could be an angle. You're right. That might be an angle. On. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. I'll wait and see like what they do. But most of what I get from this is like they don't feel like. Uh, they're lo they're losing out on anything by by moving their spectacle elsewhere. I would disagree with that. Do you think EA is ever coming back to E3? No, me either. I think there's like the graphic says they're gone for good. I don't. Mm -hmm. I think this was kind of the pivotal thing where if they didn't come mm -hmm. back this year, they were not coming back. I think you're going to slowly see uh, E3 as a major spectacle sort of fade a little bit. Um, I think you'll still have press conferences. I think you'll still have 
a floor, but the, the point of E3 is always to get retailers and, you know, publishers together and make those, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an industry expo. It's not, you know, it's not a convention. It's not Comic-Con. It's not supposed to be what it is. What it's we, become. What it's become, yeah. basically. <laughs> like, and, and, you know, and people, people say, oh, E3 is going away, E3 is over, E3. I'm like, no, E3 is people in suits in tiny meeting rooms making retail and distribution decisions. Or billion and multi-billion deals, yeah. dollar publishing decisions that we never hear about until it's announced the E3 after that. Yeah. Um, that is never going away. That is what E3 is. That is what E3 is for. The, the the giant carnival on the convention floor, yeah, that might shrink and go away eventually. I think it's going to go away. Mm-hmm. Because, look, EA was the first. They're not going to be the last. No. I mean, it, to and me... And you got to think Nintendo's going to start feeling like it's not worth their time soon. I mean, to me, it's just going to be this slow bleeding out, mm-hmm. basically, where one by one, these publishers start leaving. And once they start leaving, they're not, they're not coming back. Uh, e- E3 needs to do something. It needs to start... Mm-hmm thinking about that now and it, actually you should have started thinking about it last well, year now you're expect- when EA bailed out. Now you're expecting the ESA to take proactive measures and that's just silly. <laughs> it needs to though. It does. Or otherwise it the industry's does. biggest trade show is going to slowly bleed out until it's just completely irrelevant again, which mm-hmm. is what happened back in 2006 or whatever when it moved down to Santa Monica and was all weird and goofy. I um that whole that- I hate to see it go. I mean just looking at this footage it would suck to, for this to go. Oh yeah, I mean I've gone to E3 what since 1999. It's yeah. you know it's a yearly tradition. I will always go as long as it exists in that form. You know, I mean obviously there's no reason to go. I, you can't just stand outside a meeting room and watch people meet. Like it's not a, it's not a yeah. <laughs> not, not much fun in that. It's not anything to put a badge <laughs> on for. But um, you know I I do really enjoy even you know with the the hassle it became several years and sometimes you know you go you're just like oh this again you know but it's like you, you you get in there and you look around you see you know you see all that stuff and you see everybody you know and you you see some of these new things and it's like it's always worth it. I don't and, know if I can think of anything the ESA can do to stop this though, Matt. It's just, it's just it's the just, nature of a convention. It's they are what they are. I mean, mm-hmm. if somebody had come up with a creative new way to do conventions, it would have probably happened at Comic Con already. Well, the purpose used to be that it got every all the media, all the news, all the coverage, everything all in one place to make sure that you got you got you know you got your five minutes, you got everything on there, and like it just doesn't exist. It's it's the distrib- you know it's like the internet and. Like every other form of entertainment, you can get anything you want, anytime you want, anywhere you want. And you don't have to all be in the same building for your coverage to be solid. You know, yeah. you don't have, you know, it doesn't matter where you are. You know, no one has to bring these giant cameras in. And you know, we used to trundle through this floor with this giant cart full of, you know, Shit. 30 pound cameras <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And now it's a guy with a stick and a GoPro and you get the same level Quality. of coverage. Yeah. Sometimes more because some of these guys have tens of millions of followers and stuff. Well, it's just like, better than we could ever do for them. Yeah, it's just like sports as well. It's like, you know, my drive and draw to go to a live sporting event is almost zero at this point. Yeah. It's like the quality of watching it at home is better right. than going to the stadium and getting in a fight with some drunk guy mm-hmm. or somebody spilling beer on you and it's like 15 degrees out. Like, it's so mm-hmm. much better. It's like, it's why... I, well, I even don't go... I mean, I've, I've been to Evo a few times, but like, I don't, com- I don't, you know, I'm not competitive at Evo among right. the people that go to that. And so the last several Evos, I've just stayed home and watched it on stream because it's like way better seat and you get to hear the commentators and it's like, you don't have to like sit in this crazy arena anymore. I mean, now they're in arenas. They're in arenas. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like attending a live sporting event. And like, yeah. so to me, it's like, like, yeah, why would you want the better seat at home? It's like movies. Event? Like I honestly, last year, 
was the least amount of movies I've ever gone to in my life in a year. And uh, full disclosure, I still have not seen Rogue One. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Wow. It's been, it, has, it has been poor circumstances that have, that have got me to this place. Like, every time I talk to my wife, I'm like, let's go see Rogue One. She's always like, oh, I have dinner with blah, 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 or something I got to do. And I work like a maniac. So it's like I have, like, these little windows where I'm like, hey, I don't have to do anything until 6 o'clock. It's free <laughs> right now. Let's go see Rogue One. And she's like, I can't. Like, it just hasn't worked out. And then it's like, you know, in prior years, I would have just said screw it to something. Like, that I needed to do mm-hmm. and just went to see it. But now I'm at, like, it's just this general state of mind to have where I'm just like, well, in another 60 days, I'll be able to sit on my couch and drink a beer and watch it. And so, you know, I there is there's there's value added to going to the movies. Like, I'm not saying that, like, mm-hmm. sitting at home is just as good as going to a theater. It's not. It still isn't. Even with the big TV and 7.1 or whatever, it's still not the same as going to a theater. But it's my motivation to sacrifice inconvenience to mm-hmm. go to get that extra experience has just waned. Yeah. Well, and it's also, not like, just with movies. It's with, like, everything anymore. Like, mm-hmm. there are times, though, where I watch a live stream on Twitch and I'm like, this looks awful. Because, like, still, yeah. the stream quality sometimes yeah, looks like crap. And so, But overall, I mean, like, the, you know, for a long time, like, the, the joy of E3 for me was going to the press conferences. Because for, for a while... Those were very hard to see. Yeah. You know, for, like, yeah, was, and, yeah. And I remember, you know, like the 2001, uh, 2001 Nintendo press conference, which took place in like a meeting room in the basement of a hotel yeah. that held like a hundred people, yeah. maybe. Like it was like it was like a room with just folding chairs set up, and yeah. like they they showed the GameCube for the first time, announced Smash Brothers, took questions from the audience, the whole thing. Yeah, questions from, imagine yeah. questions from the audience because it was at a, a press, press conference, conference today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they did, we did interviews and, you know, we, uh, Adam did the first They would never do that no. now. They'd Adam, be so petrified of oh, the questions somebody would ask. Oh. oh, the first question was the guy from Nintendo Joe that asked in Japanese. Tried to speak Japanese, in Japanese, yeah. Asked Miyamoto a question and nobody could understand him and finally, like, just say it in English and his question was, do you like working at Nintendo? Yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, I almost left the room right there. It was Does like, Nintendo Joe still exist? I don't know. That was one of the earliest Nintendo fans. Uh, maybe I don't know, but like, and we did. We, but it was like I think Pear maybe came from Nintendo. No, no, some journalist came from there. I can't remember. But I remember was. like like watching that, you know, watching that, and like coming out, and like I remember saying like for the, that year and the year after, and I think you you backed me up the second year where I was like, we have to broadcast these. Like, yeah. These are what people should. This is where the news have. This is the this is the magic. Yep. And everyone's like, no, no one cares about this. No one cares about this shit. <laughs> and fi- finally, we started doing that in 2005. And of course, yeah. biggest ratings ever. Da, 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 da. But like, you know, and, and after we started doing that, of course, we needed all this staff to cover. So I started getting stuck in the booth and not being able to go to them anymore. I had yeah. to sit in the booth because I was the one who knew all the editorials. So I had to kind of supervise everything. Uh, for that, and make sure all everything was spelled right, and everything was you know this title was correct, and that was the footage for this game, and that was the footage for that game, uh, and so I was always very annoyed that I couldn't go to the press conference anymore. And finally, after G4 ended in 20, after in 2013, I was like, I can go to the press conferences again, <laughs> and I went to the Microsoft one, and I was standing in line with. 400 other people, none of whom I knew. Yeah. Which, by the way, standing in a giant line for an for an industry event after you've worked in the industry for 12 years and you don't know anyone in eye line yeah. is crazy. I'm like, holy shit, this is huge. And I and I saw you know, I went through all the press conferences that year, and that was the last time I did that because yeah. I'm like, there is no reason to do this. <laughs> when you can just not. stay home and watch. I mean, yeah. I love seeing my friends, but it's like it's, it, I'll see them at E3 and. Yeah. 
And so like that's you know, why I like doing uh, the commentary thing we do here because trust me, we have a better seat here than we you would at those things. I mean, yeah. you'd be at some crazy nosebleed up in the middle of nowhere and you couldn't even you couldn't even see or the, you have their like, pretty faces. Or you, and look, I don't want to like begrudge fans or whatever, but no. there had been times where I was at press conferences and there were like fan sites sitting behind me. And they literally just go berserk over everything, like mm-hmm. every little thing. They're like, bah, 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 and you're like, you're, they're already moving. They used on. to just be limited to the Nintendo press conference, and they're moving on to the next topic, and they're starting. And you can't hear, mm-hmm. and you're like, bro, like I get it, you're excited, but come on, man, like they just announced like a strap for the PSP, yeah. like it's Peggle too. Just get a grip, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a million reasons why, and I think. That, again, is another reason why things that are just starting to migrate away from E3, because they're, they're discovering there's better ways to do things. There's more direct ways to reach their audience. And I wouldn't be surprised if before we get to E3 this year, one or two more big publishers mm-hmm. bail out. I wouldn't be surprised if Activision's gone, if they get rid of their booth, because their booth is pointless anyway. Their booth is basically a giant box. Yeah, and there's mm-hmm. nothing going on outside it. Right. Everything happens in this little dinky, behind-closed, like, gameplay you've area. Definitely start, I think in the last several years, you've started to see a lot of these bigger publishers start of Their E3 presence sort of feels obligatory yeah. at this point. You know? We have they're, to. Because we have to do it. Yeah. They never change the booth up. They never change anything up. But I think except that's the sign. Changing. And it's just like, I, yeah, I think at some point... It's not going to impact your coverage very much. Yeah. It's just you know you're you know you're if you're Activision, all your games are going to get just as much exposure without an E3 presence as. You're well. going to have T Martin. What's going on, guys? <laughs> I'm here to cover your game, guys. <laughs> and all he has to do is come in there with this little dinky Elgato mm-hmm. and capture 20 minutes of the new Call of Duty and go put it on his YouTube channel, and you've got 100 million views just yep. like that. It's. You remember back when we were doing TV about video games and everybody kept telling us over and over again how you can't just let game footage roll? Yeah, oh yeah. All our senior producers who were just TV people being mm-hmm. like, you just show gameplay for like 13 seconds straight. Like, you need to get Adam or Morgan back on the screen. Like, <laughs> I'm like, people are here to see the video game. They want to see the... the they're like, no, I can't. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, that's not the way it works. That's not why we give big contracts to our talent. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. But it was, it was just like, and now, like... You know, some random dude with a bot with a with a monopod and a, and an Elgato gets five times as many viewers than G four ever, ever had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great. All right, it's time to move on. We tried E uh, three to me. I think we're going to be singing taps for E three probably next year. It's mm-hmm. just I just don't think it's a model that can sustain. I think they'll still have the business side of it forever. Mm-hmm. Pactor will still go there and yeah. do on his, his analyst stuff, which is and, what it. Was is, to that's begin what with. It was made for, yeah. So it's so. it's it, it it will be sort of this weird little blip of of crazy spectacle yep. that uh, you know fifty you know forty years from now people look at the game industry and be like people went to E three really like they like, went there like went walked there? around and like like yeah look at this all this footage of people in cargo shorts really <laughs> you can't get in without a tie now you know it's like all right that's great all right let's move along the day has come. Resident Evil 7. I have been playing Resident Evil 7. This is an interesting milestone for me because one of the more famous episodes of Invisible Walls was Marcus and I arguing over Resident Evil 6. Mm. And it wasn't that I was arguing that it was like game of the year quality or whatever. What I was arguing was that it's a solid action game, but people hate it because it's a res- it's got Resident Evil's name on it. Mm-hmm. And my contention was that it's a fun-to-play action-adventure game 
But if you go in expecting a Resident Evil game, you're going to be pissed off and you're going to hate it. And Marcus just said no. It was just terrible, period. So <laughs> it became one of those famous debates that Marcus and I had. And here we sit now, what, four or five years later? Yeah, something like that. Wow. Yeah. Took it, him a while. Yeah, holy cow. Five years. Yeah, because 6 came out when Expo was still on. So yeah, that would have been five years ago. Yeah, so here I am to talk to you about Resident Evil 7. I am about six little more hours into the game. Um, I Unfortunately, a bad part of curating for Sifted is that you sometimes get spoiled on things because mm. you see the headline for every story that every website publishes ever. And so, unfortunately, I did see a headline where somebody basically spoiled the length of the game. They're saying it's around 10 hours long. So I am more than halfway finished with the game. Matt, what do you want to know? Have you played it in VR? I have not played it in VR. So mm. what I've been doing is the save system in the game is you can save as much as you want. It's mm. just like Final Fantasy uh, 15 or whatever. Not mm. a lot of games are like this anymore. But you have save slots and you can save as many times as you want, as often as you want. Um, there are auto saves in the game, like checkpoints. Mm. Um, but there are also tape recorders that are hidden around the environments that you can save at. Um, the checkpoints are pretty good. There was a couple times where I died and I... But I revived, and I was like, oh, I don't want to have to go through X, Y, and Z again. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, like, a lot of times, like, you just revive, and you're right outside the door that you had entered before you got into battle or whatever. So that's kind of how the whole save yeah. system works. Yeah. No ribbons or anything like that. Like, the tape recorder, you can just save at that tape recorder as many times as you want. And uh, not playing it in VR, um, how are the graphics? Like, does it feel like it was, you know, took a graphical hit to fit in VR? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the very beginning of the game. I'll just set up the story for those who maybe don't know. So basically the premise of the game is uh, there's this young woman who and this guy who had been together, boyfriend and girlfriend or whatever, and she disappears. She goes on some kind of a trip. I guess they had, she had broken up with them. It's never really clear why they mm -hmm. separated, but they separated. She goes on some kind of a trip and disappears. And three years later, he gets this odd message on his computer from her. And I think the first message is like, don't come here. Don't try to find me or whatever. <laughs> and then the second one is like... By no means should you come here. <coughs> Do not come to 453 Evergreen Terrace. That's pretty much kind of how it happens. Come happened. on. In all honesty, that's kind of how it happens. And then the second one is like, you know, basically gives the location or whatever. So he goes to investigate this. Doesn't tell anybody. Because why would you? Like, he doesn't tell the cops and, like, roll in there with, like, a bunch of patrol cars. Like, he literally just drives in in his old car, parks in front of the farmhouse, and then you go to walk in. So, you park kind of in the woods away from the farmhouse. So, the first part of the game, the very first part of the game, is you kind of walking through these weeds to get to the farmhouse. And literally, 15 virtual feet in front of you, you can see the detail drawing in in front of you. Like... It's that bad. Like, you can definitely see that the graphics in this game were sacrificed pretty significantly for VR. And uh, going back to what I was saying about the saves, the reason I'm saving so much is so that I can go back, once I finish the game not playing it in VR, and experience some of those more intense moments in VR afterwards to kind of get the full effect. And the one thing I will say about the game, too, not only were, is, or technically are the graphics kind of limited because of VR, the way they've staged a lot of the cinemas and everything has all been done with VR in mind. So 
it's kind of like if you remember back in the 70s and 80s when 3D was kind of making its second run through movie mm. theaters or whatever, and you like there was like Jaws 3D and Friday the 13th 3D, and there was just these really long, stupid shots of them just like jabbing a pole mm. at the camera or like sticking a knife. Like there's just all these moments where it's blatantly obvious. Oh. If I had a VR helmet on right now, this knife would be, like, right up in my face. But when you play it in 2D, it just seems like these weird kind of contrived mm-hmm. setups, so to speak. Um, what else do you want to know? Do you like it? I do like it. I do like it. I'm enjoying the game. Um, it's no Resident Evil 4. I'll mm-hmm. put it to you that way. But what is? Right. That's a good point. But, you know, you hope that eventually right. another game will come along that is like that. That is kind of genre-bending and changes everything going forward. The best way I could describe this is... Although sometimes you have to admit that The Empire Strikes Back is just going to be the best Star Wars movie forever. And we yeah. should hope for yeah. good. Yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> like, I, I, I think Resident Evil 4 is sort of the empire of the You're series. You're probably right. If I had to describe this game in a couple sentences, I would say... It's old school Resident Evil... Mixed with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. And is it, like, connected to Resonate? Like, is it in the same universe? I have, What I've played so far, I've seen no connection so far to any prior Resident Evil games. None. Mm. Like, not even any, like, offhand mention of, like, Jill or, like, any of the old characters. There's been no mention of stars. There's been no mention of Umbrella. Mm. Um, there's a virus. It's like a fungus. So it's a little bit mm. like The Last of Us. And that there's this fungus that grows in the house and it kind of overtakes the bakers. And I don't want to spoil too much. But the root of the evil, so far from what I've played, is a fungus that's growing in the house. Um, it is old school Resident Evil, by the way. It's, it really is a throwback. You know how, mm-hmm. like, with Resident Evil 6, they're like, oh, we're going back to our roots. It really does. Like, mm-hmm. you've in- got to find a jewel to put in the fountain to open the door. To- yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep, you got to find like the three crests that you put mm-hmm. on the door, and then the door opens. There's these really cool puzzles. So where... it may be a crazy hick redneck cannibal family, but they sure are industrious when oh, it yeah. comes to their home oh, security. No, yeah, dude, but... it's pretty ridiculous, actually. <laughs> like, there's um. How's anyone at that police station going to the bathroom in Resident Evil Two? That's yeah. all. I'm like, <laughs> well, there are. Well, you can see the inventory here. So it's like a slot inventory, mm-hmm. and it's like you have to manage it. So. Say you pick up a shotgun or a rifle that requires two slots. Well, you have to go in and reorganize your your inventory, like Tetris, to make sure that you have like two slots lined up so that the shotgun can fit in mm-hmm. your inventory. That's um, classic. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. It is a total throwback. It in every way, shape, and form. It's like um, there's all kinds of backtracking. So you get to like the end of a wing of the house, and there's a door that you can't open yet. So you go back through the house, you go get an object somewhere, and then you find another door that that will open, and then that gives you the key to go back to that other place. Which mm-hmm. So it it is 100% Resident Evil, for better or worse. Um, there's puzzles in it. Like, there's these puzzles where you get these objects, and then you'll find a projector, and you have to, like, move the object in 3D space until it casts the exact right mm-hmm. shadow against a painting that matches up with the painting, and then the door, like, the painting's on a door, and the door will open up once you solve it. Um, glad this footage came up right away. So the videotapes and the VCRs are more than just sitting and watching a movie. What they do is they transport you to places where you actually play as other people. 
So the one I think you're going to see right here is a TV crew had earlier gone to the house and to investigate it for some like scary haunted house TV show or whatever. But you, you actually play through this section. You play as like the camera mm -hmm. guy for the crew or whatever. And then there's another one where it flashes back and it shows you what happened before you got there with some other per and I don't want to spoil anything, mm -hmm. but with some other person. And so it, they, they're a vehicle that the game uses to take you to play the game from other people's perspectives to glean mm -hmm. more information on the plot and the bakers, essentially. Yeah, and that seems like uh, it seems like a pretty good idea, just in the sense that it frees you from having to sort of, you know, the player's always going to survive, basically, yeah. in the main game, but you can do whatever the hell you want to the people in these videos. Yeah. So that seems like a cool... It lets you also kind of change the scenario up, you know. Because one of the things with horror games, like, you can get comfortable in how things work, and you know, if you, if, but using that technique to sort of change it up and throw you into situations where anything can happen, yeah. that's a good idea. I like that. The whole thing is very derivative, though. I yeah. mean, like, the end of this scene... Of, of like, Resident Evil? Or of every, of like every horror, horror movie. Yeah. Like, there's the end of this videotape section that you play through. At the end, you get in the basement, and the guy's standing in the corner looking at a wall. Mm. Just like Blair Witch Project, the end of Blair Witch Project. The main plot is 1,000% Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, it's got the same stupid, like, dumb redneck jokes... I mean, honestly, the Bakers might be the part of the game that I like the least. Because <laughs> it's like, it is 70s You keep saying that, I keep thinking about Chris Baker. That's why I keep laughing. Oh. Well, cause it's like whole the family other... full of cannibals at Chris Baker's is very funny, if you know him. I do know. Well, it's like the other night, I was like flipping through. It was like 1 or 2 in the morning, and I had just finished working. I was like, I'm going to watch something and probably pass out while I'm watching it. And I came across like... Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4K mm -hmm. like remake of the and I was like oh wow like 4K Texas Chainsaw I'm gonna check that out and see how much better it doesn't look any better it looks exactly the same as like the as when I watched it on a VCR back in like 1978 or whatever but the one the one thing I will say is the game does a good job of building suspense um, there are, there have been, and I'm not playing it in VR, and there have been tons of times where I've been completely unnerved and not wanting to go through a door, not wanting to walk down the dark hallway. Um, so it does do a good job of building the tension, but then what happens a lot of the time is that you end up interacting with one of the bakers and they just act like an idiot and it kind of breaks the whole thing. <laughs> so there are elements of Resident Evil 3 in this with... Nemesis, where he's mm -hmm. constantly following you around. I'm not gonna, again. I'm not going to spoil anything, but there are elements of that where there's always something after you, and it mm -hmm. creates like this sense of foreboding that just kind of simmers underneath the surface the whole time you're playing it. And it's like it, it's really it does it really smartly too because it will lull you into this false sense of security because maybe you haven't seen this whatever it is for 20 minutes, and you assume that the game has turned it off, or mm -hmm. is not a part of, and then there, there he is, or it is, or whatever is. Hmm. And you're like, oh crap, like, I thought I got through that, it's not over yet, like, I'm still being hunted by this thing. So, it's good. I'm enjoying it, I have not wanted to stop playing it, I had to stop playing it to get ready for these shows, and to come in and shoot the show. Um, I'm having a good time with it. I feel like it is kind of the perfect mashup of all the Resident Evils. I still feel like there's this weird disconnect between Japan and the West as far as, like, the dialogue mm -hmm. and 
people do things that make no sense. I mean, the whole thing really doesn't make any sense. Like, for just going to a house like that without notifying mm. anyone or telling the police. Also, like, isn't it, it's funny how, like, uh, so much Japanese horror revolves around VHS. This <laughs> like, The Ring and all that stuff. Yeah. I saw, I saw a billboard on the way over here for, for rings, you know, the, yeah, the, the laser. Yeah, I saw that. And the tagline is, first you see it, then you die. And I'm like, that's probably not the tagline you want to use for your movie. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah it's not going to It doesn't entice me. It really doesn't. You know, like, yeah, I'm I know you're liter- I know you're literally correct, you know, technically. Yeah. But, uh, uh, let's see, what else can I share based upon my time? I don't want to spoil everything, obviously. Um, there are people in the chat asking if it's um, how it looks compared to the demo, if you played that. It looks the same. Same? Yeah, it doesn't look any better or any worse. That is the game. I mean, what you played in that demo is about an hour and a half or two hours into the game, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's lots of puzzles where you have to go here to get this and then come down here and put it in this thing. It gives you something else that you take over here, and that unlocks a button that you can push that opens the door. It's all The whole game is stuff like that. Like You're constantly like getting new items that you need to take somewhere else and use. Uh, combat, all in first person, obviously. Uh, there's not a lot of melee. Um, you get meleeed a lot, and there's like a blocking mechanic where you put your arms up, and it drastically will like keep your health from getting drained. Because literally, these enemies, some of them, they attack you once or twice and you die. Hmm. So there's like a block where you can put your arms up, and it probably at least halves the damage that you take. At least um, the guns feel okay. I ended up having to tweak the aim sensitivity like way up. Uh, the way it was on default, and I think, again, it might be them assuming people are going to play it in VR or whatever, uh, but I cranked it, like, way up from where they had it set, and now it feels good to me. Um, guns feel good. Uh, so far, I've only really got, like, your traditional weapons, like handgun, shotgun, stuff like that. I haven't got any crazy, like, supernatural mm. something or others. Um, what else can I tell you? Um, there's well, stealth. Mm. There, there are segments in the game where you have to hide, which... It's pretty effective. Because you are, even though these people are crazy and they're kind of like over the top and almost comedic at times, they still are scary. And they're people that you don't want to mess with. Because like I said, you know, if you get hit once or twice, you die. Mm -hmm. Because they come around with like shovels and you have like a buck knife. So like a big part of the game is like getting away and running away. And in fact, there was one particular enemy I was fighting and I kept trying to shoot it. And then when I died in the loading screen, it said, just run away, dumbass. <laughs> but you don't know, because sometimes you would fight, because you fight some people multiple times, and like you can take them down one time, the next time you can't. Mm. Like, you've got to run. So it strikes fear in you, which is good. Like I, That's something that Resident Evil 6 never did, and Resident Evil 5 only did sparingly. And this game is pretty much that way the whole time you're playing it. The game always has holds something over your head. There's always something that you know in the back of your mind could pop up at any moment and kill you. So you always kind of have that fear element churning through you while you're playing it. Um, but yeah, so far I've seen no attachment to the story. I'm sure at the end, like they'll say the fungus was a was like a mm. hybrid of the T virus or something like that. But it isn't like this overt. Um, umbrella thing i haven't seen wesker i haven't seen any characters that i know i saw i saw one screenshot where some guy was saying his name was redfield I've but he didn't but he redfield. didn't look like chris redfield at all yeah. so i don't know what that was 
I have not ran into that part of the game at all. So, as far as I, from what I could, I'm like, oh, either the, either Capcom's doing its thing where it doesn't care what the hell Chris Redfield's supposed to look like, which there is precedent for. Like, there he, is. He changes a lot. He does, yeah. Or it's just like someone's named Redfield because that's a reference. I don't know. Yeah. If they, if someone dropped you into this game like with no information, would you peg it as Resident Evil? Yeah, because there's herbs. Mm. Um, and there's mixing items, like, you can mix, like, herbs with this other thing and get a higher-powered, like, health potion. You can mix, like, another thing with gunpowder to get improved ammo. So there's, like, that whole element of it, too. And then, you know, you can equip the different ammo types mm -hmm. depending on the enemies that you're facing. You can use the regular bullets or the enhanced bullets depending on who you're fighting. Um... I think probably the biggest disappointment I have is just the graphics. Mm -hmm. It could could have looked so much better if it wasn't a VR game. Um, that is probably my biggest complaint. Like, you get up close to a lot of the stuff in the game, it looks pretty freaking bad. Well, the good news is... Uh, Including, like, the faces. Like, because mm -hmm. a lot of what happens in this game is because, again, they built a lot of it for VR. I felt that way in the kitchen demo, too. Right. Where it's like, she looked like a cartoon close-up. The whole game looks like that. Yeah. And there's... That well, the good news is that one day I'm sure we will get a remaster... Yeah. That looks really, really good. You're probably right. So. Yeah, or even a fan will end up doing it or whatever. Mm. And look, it doesn't look so bad that it's like jarring or it right. takes you out of the game. But it's you just, know it could be better. Oh, it could look a lot better. Uh, definitely a lot better. Like mm. I said, with like the, the LOD and stuff like that, and uh, you know, some of the other graphical issues that we've had. Um, you know, it's definitely I mean, I don't even know if I would say it looks as good as Resident Evil 6 in some ways, mm. to be honest with you. Like, it looks like, I guess the way to describe it, it looks like it was made last gen. It looks like it was a PlayStation 3. It does look a little Xbox 360 Xbox game. And I mean, if you start thinking about the time that it's been, it very well could have been developed initially for those other systems. Yeah, it has been a while. So, I'm enjoying it, though. Mm. Would you, uh, like, full price? Yeah. Yeah? I mean, even if it's, I only get another four hours out of what I've played, like, yeah, I would, I would buy it full price. All right. Yeah, especially if you're a Resident Evil fan. I wouldn't even hesitate at all. I would go buy it at full price. Um, I haven't heard that about a Resident Evil game in a while. Yeah, that's true. Um, look, it's better than Resident Evil 6. And probably, I mean, I'm not done with it yet, so things could change. It could just become awesome at the end, too. I mean... Resident Evil 4 just kept getting better and better and better as the game went on. Mm. Um, but, you know, one thing about Resident Evil 4 that I really liked is I really was scared of, like, the main antagonists. Like, when I fought them, I was like, oh, God, like, these guys are just going to squash my head or whatever. These people don't scare me that way. And, like, the AI is a little... Uh, like, there's one scene that happens in a garage, and I just basically ran in a circle around a car. <laughs> so he could, because he didn't have guns. All he had was a shovel. Mm. And so I just basically ran in a circle around the car and just took pot shots at him with my gun until I dropped him. So, like any game, there are issues. And there's, you know, they'll bother some people more than others. Um, but on the whole, I think people who have been waiting for a real Resident Evil for a long time are going to be happy with it. And I think people who play it in VR are going to get the crap scared out of them. Like, you can just see it. Like, the... You know, that kitchen demo, when the face pops up, like, that happens all the time in this game. Like, they're always, like, right, like that. Like, they're always right in your face or punching you in the face or whacking you in the head with a shovel or mm -hmm. whatever. They Did you get the candle? Oh, I have not got the candle yet, no. The scent candle you're supposed to burn? When oh, you, you mean the 4D it? candle? Yeah. I thought you meant there was, like, an item in the No, candle. no, the candle that you're supposed to, like, no, burn no. that smells like 
crazy person house, no, I guess. I, don't I did not get that with the game, unfortunately. <laughs> so I don't know if I would use that anyway. <laughs> Michelle would probably not be thrilled. No, she'd walk in and be like, it smells like a dead body in here. <laughs> I just haven't showered for four days. So Sifters, thumbs up for Resident Evil 7. You guys got to be stoked. Is a chat? Thank God I'm seeing. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. You're going to enjoy playing it. Uh, don't have, I would not have any reservations about it. I think everyone who's an RE fan is going to have a good time with it. Um, I don't know if it's going to convert too many people. Because there's nothing really... There's nothing really innovative about it, I yeah. guess. I, don't, it, I mean, it plays, I'm not particularly interested, really. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't look like anything special to me. I guess what I would close with I would is, get it to like desperately have something to play on PS, PSVR. Yeah. And I don't even really care. I guess what I would say is it does remind me at times of a lot of indie horror games. Yeah, well, I, I definitely think I see... I mean, I know it all comes from te- Texas Chainsaw Massacre with a little yeah. smidge of House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I look at that, I'm just like, well, somebody liked Outlast. Yeah. Or, you know, like stuff like that. It, it, you know, I know Outlast was in a sanitarium or whatever. But and like, Outlast 2 is coming out. Outlast 2 is much more of a run for the rednecks kind of game. Yeah. But it's like, um, it, you know, it, it's just like one of those... Not a walking simulator, but a fleeing simulator, I guess, would be yeah, what those yeah. games are like. And, and this game is like that. There's yeah. lots of chase scenes where you have to get away and hide. and Which is fine. I mean, look, like, whatever it takes. <laughs> like, you know, at least that's an interesting and kind of involving mechanic. And a lot of the most memorable moments of the old Resident Evils came from when Nemesis was chasing you or from when Tyrant was chasing you in the second disc of RE2. Yeah. And, it's one of the uh, one of the few, like three or four times I've ever jumped playing a game was when he came through the briefing room wall. Yeah, yeah. You, you just beat him. <laughs> All right. And then you come, you leave the room, come around the corner, boom again. I'm like, hey, I, there's I a little like, bit of that in this game too. You were, you were supposed to be gone for at least another ten minutes. Like, yeah. That's just how this works. But. but it does remind me a lot of kind of the indie first person survival horror games that we're getting for mm-hmm. like, in some cases, like fifteen bucks. Yeah. I mean, the production values are better. It's more involved than those games. It's not like a horror walking simulator by by any stretch. But it's not as unique as it used to be, I guess. It's almost like a Me Too game with a big budget, I guess is a good way to put it. Uh, with a lot more story, too. Overt story. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a lot of these walking simulators, you walk around, you read stuff, and you kind of got to figure out the plot on your own. In this game, there's tons of cinemas that move the story forward and everything. So I think I'll leave it at that. I think uh, I think I prepped you guys for this coming week. I think with the information I gave you, you should know whether you want to buy it or not. Um, and now that I've once I finish the game, we'll be back next week, and I'll give my final impressions of it. And probably by then, you guys, a lot of you will have finished it as well because it's not an especially long game. So, Resident Evil Seven, it's good people. Be happy about that. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Gaben. 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 The uh, hundred and. 40-somethingth richest person in America, I believe, Forbes just said. Yeah. Yeah. What is he worth? So, like, I don't remember what the number eight was. Eight billion? Yes. Something so, yeah. insane! It's insane. It's crazy to remember, like, <laughs> back in the day. Why hasn't Half-Life 3 come out? Because who cares? Because who cares? <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> really, what he should do, though, is he should just come online and just, just sit down on a live stream and say, look... Here is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take $1 billion of my own money, and I'm going to plunk it down right now, and we are going to create Half-Life 3 and whatever else you people want. I mean, why not? 
Once you're in the billions. This, you can't even fathom that kind of money. Just for some of you who may not know, a billion dollars is a thousand millions. Well, the bet, like, so it's like... A I think, thousand millions! I think the, the way, he has eight of those! I think the way that, like, really drove, drove it home for me was it was a, a million seconds is something about three months. Yeah. And a billion seconds is 33 years. There you go. That's a great way That's to put it. That's the difference between a million dollars and a billion dollars. And he has a lot of them. Dude, just put <laughs> a billion down and be like, I'm so sick of hearing about this. I don't, don't even have to deal with the finances of the company or any of that shit. Just drop a billion dollars down on the freaking table and just say, who do you want to develop this? Tell me. And I will get them to make this game under my watch. If you shut up. Right. <laughs> Provided like, you stop with the yeah. petitions and all the stupid shit you've been doing. So, he didn't say that in his answer. No, he did not say that. <laughs> what he did say, though, is that Valve is still working on single-player games that may or may not or could both be in the Portal and or Half-Life universe. He did say that he... That Half-Life is his least favorite project he ever worked on. Because when he looks at it, he, he re remembers all the sacrifices he had to make to get the game out the door. Matt, do you believe him? Eh. Did you read... So, kind of a preface to all this was... I'm sure it's some permutation of that. Like, I don't... He doesn't have any reason to lie. He doesn't. So the preface to it all is that last week, one of Game Informer's editors somehow got in touch with a contact who used to work at Valve, who basically just spilled the beans and said, mm. oh, there's been, like, five different prototypes of Half-Life 3, and they've all been crap, and they've all been canceled, and well, blah, like blah, blah. And then, oddly enough, like, after that happens, Gabe, like, four mm. days later, says, I'm going to do an AMA. <laughs> all right, Which fine. certainly, I think, lends a lot of credence to that Valve employee, mm. the information that he gave to Game Informer. Well, I mean, I know, I know some stuff from people who used to work there and did, and, and like how, like, you know, for a long time it was basically like, whatever you want to work on, you can work on. Like, there was no assigned right. teams, there was no assigned job. So one of the reasons Half-Life 3 hasn't happened is because nobody wanted to do it. Why like, is that, though? Why would you not want to make... Because you're, you're going to fail no matter what. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, I wouldn't... People are never going to be happy with what yeah, you when, so, Well, someone's like, okay, if, like, in that situation where it's like, okay, Half-Life 3, we can do it. Like, what do you want to do? I'm like, my mind goes blank. Like, I don't, well, want, I don't know what I want to do at that point. Well, there like, was, you know, they left a cliffhanger after episode oh, two. Yeah. I mean, there, it's pretty obvious where they should and could go right out of the gate. Um... But, but it's I, like, is it possible for Half-Life 3 to live up to anything? It would never no would. Way. But I think people would still buy it and want yeah. to play it, though. I mean, I mean at least, and he would at get least, people off his back. Isn't right, that at least worth it would a be billion over. dollars? Right. It was like, <laughs> that was worth a billion dollars. But uh, maybe you, throw, you have eight or nine of them, it but is. You, again, you could throw $100 million at it, which is, you know, a really good-sized budget. Or, or half a billion. Like, whatever. I don't, I don't think you need to spend twice... And fifty million again the, over what the most expensive game ever made was for Half Life Three. Or maybe you do, mm, because it is Half Life Three. But it's never going to be that good. Yeah. So just like, just give me one hundred fifty million. I don't know, man. Valve is pretty damn good. Dude. Valve is pretty damn good. They but make it's a, really good. I'm not games talking when about they the, actually I'm, make them. Well, I'm not talking about the game being like terrible, like in an objective sense. I'm talking about like everybody. You know, you anticipate something that long. What anything again? I guess going to be somewhat disappointing. I mean, you know, episode one could have been the greatest fucking movie ever made, but we waited 16 years for it, and everybody's gonna have a problem with what the credits looked like. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, 
But, but that's kind of also by you know ties in the argument. It's like if you just do it, it'll be over. Like it'll be you know right. it, it's done. It's over. Like we and and don't end it on a cliffhanger, and no one can complain. You know, like, yeah, that's, that's like wrap the, it up. Whenever, that was their biggest mistake. Right. Well, the, their biggest mistake well, was announcing episode three. Episode three. Was, was, never came out. <laughs> but it's like that's the thing. It's like it's like you would have a much better leg to stand on if you hadn't like left it hanging like that. Right. You know, like if if it if it hadn't because. It's not like you can then try to claim you didn't intend to make any more. Right. You know, it's like, well, clearly you're going to make... That like, was your intention so all along. Yeah. where is it, you know? Um, I don't know. It's, it, at this point, it's almost like a running game. And, and, and you got to want... I mean, probably not because if you have four and a half billion dollars, who gives a shit? But it's like, if, you know, I wonder if there was a little twinge when you're seeing like, oh, Final Fantasy VII Remake's coming out. Oh, Shenmue is coming out. Oh, like all that, you know, all this stuff's getting announced that like, no, you know, Last Guardian's gonna happen. Duke Nukem Forever came out. Like, you're like, like, do you start to once like, what if, what if we're we the had, only ones what left? the last ones? What if Half-Life 3 ends up being the last, <laughs> the like, last of us, the last lost game? You know, it's like, Half-Life 3 is the last of us in that group. <laughs> uh, you know, Gabe, we really are the last of us. Yeah. <laughs> I think at this point he just needs to throw his fans a bone. Look, his fans built Steam. Like fans of his of Valve's mm. games are the ones who jumped into Steam first, shouted it from the rooftops, told everyone how awesome it was, and built that company. That's why I have a from Steam a small account video game developer to what it is now. Like, I, I have a Steam account at all because that's how you got Half Life Two. Yeah, and, lo- and like I don't think I loaded Steam up again for like three years. Yeah. after that, I don't. I never. I didn't look at Steam again forever until like. I think when the Steam sales started, like the big Steam sales stuff started, like in like 08 or 09, and like for like four years, I never, I, I, I literally had a Steam account because I had to have it to play Half Life Two, and like getting everybody kind of in on that ground floor ended up being one of the most important things he ever did. To me, Half Life Three is just the right thing to do. Your fans help build your company into this billion-dollar, mm. multi-billion-dollar empire. You're rich beyond your wildest imagination, richer than you ever could have fathomed you would ever be. When you were working on Half-Life 2. And it's like... I feel like in some ways he's just taken the money and ran. It's like the well, more I mean, money, the more money he's made, the less he's put into creating things for his fans. It's like mm-hmm. all we've really got is like Dota. Well, we've got... Left 4 Dead. Dota, Left 4 Dead, Team Fortress 2, and the continued support on that. The Portal games. I mean, how, I mean it's been a long stuff. time. Yeah. I mean, when was Portal 2 released? 2009? Yeah. <laughs> that was a while ago. That's, I mean, to Vi- me, that's taking the Vi- money and running. The lab, Vibes. I mean, they, but yeah, but like they still give you a great that's, platform for things. I mean, right. that's the thing is like, at some point, you know, you're waiting for Gabe to kind of admit, it's like, yeah, we're not really a game developer anymore. He wouldn't admit that in the AMA. He wouldn't. He really wouldn't. Nope. And so if you're going to carry on with that facade, because that's kind of yeah. what it is at this point, a freaking facade... You should probably start. Put de- up or shut up. Probably start developing the elephant in the room. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they have. I mean, I'm, I believe the story that they've you know built up you know four or five versions and torn them back down. Yeah. Because like you know that's how they work. You know that's yeah. how Valve operates. Like so this isn't good enough. So you do the sixth one. Tear it, yeah, <laughs> like, try it again. Keep going until you get it. Like you can't just give up. I just, the thing about it is like I just don't have any because you know, there's a lot of games where I'm like oh I could tell you exactly like my design doc for how to make this game I don't have that for Half Life Three yeah like it's so it's it's monolithic in terms of like the expectations and where you could go with it and how like 
you know that that this, that world is pretty open in a lot of, and like you're, and then you t- get into the fact that like people are going to expect some kind of portal thing in it because they're clearly the same universe and like, see that, I think the problem is, is that they probably can't find the hook they can't yeah. they can't find yeah. that one thing they can't find the gravity gun right and they can't yeah. find the portal gun yeah and they probably never should have put out portal and instead of it should have used the portal gun in Half Life Three and maybe I don't even know the history maybe that is what happened maybe. The portal gun was a part supposed to be a part of episode no, three. Or it was that was from uh, Portal was made by a team that like basically they pulled in from like a game development college, right? Because they'd made Nar Narbacular drop and like that, and they came up with Portal out of that. And uh, I like I don't think we that, don't see that anymore though. We don't see Valve like hiring these like people who come up with great ideas like they used to. Like they used to be like, holy crap, you came up with this great thing. We're gonna hire you and bring mm-hmm. it in. And we're gonna cultivate it and make it even better. And you're still gonna have your name on it, like. I just thought the company's completely changed from what it used to be. And, you know, thinking back to... I remember I was with Greg Kasavin at E3. Me and him sitting next to each other. Probably eight other people in the room. And Gabe. Mm-hmm. Gabe demoed Half-Life 2 for us for like an hour and a half. Yep. Himself. Sat there and played it and talked about it. He never did. He won't even walk on the floor of E3 anymore. Like, I just... Everyone was going to ask him about Half-Life 3. <laughs> and the way you saw that is to make Half-Life 3. Right, exactly. But no, you're, I mean, make you're right. I, I played... Uh, I did the review for Half-Life 2 for G4, and I went, I, I went up there, and I went to Valve, and I yeah. played it there, and Doug Lombardi took care of me all day, and Gabe came in a couple times, like, how, how, what do you think? I'm, I'm like, going. I'm like, I'm like uh, why do you care what I think? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I told him, but it was just one of those things where, like, you don't need to care what I think. Like, that was yeah. crazy. Um, but he's he did, he and but you did. also see in the AMA where he's like, you know, where he talks about like, what's your favorite game? He's like, oh, Portal Two is probably my favorite of our games. And people are like, not, not Half Life Two, not Half Life. Yeah. He's like, yeah, but I worked really closely on those, and so all I see are the things that disappointed That's what me. I said earlier, and yeah. I'm like, he care. He really does seem to care about you know what they make, and maybe that's part of the problem with Half Life Three. Yeah. But like at some point, you know, you gotta let it go. You gotta let him go, sir. Yeah, or yeah. just let some of your protégés, your prodigies, like take the project and run, well, and sure, you become sure the Miyamoto, would. and you're just like sprinkle your dust on it here and there. Yeah. Like, but I, you know, I wonder if you hit, you know, like, like George Lucas says, you know, get, you know, movies don't get released; they escape. And once you have enough money that you never have to let your thing escape, maybe it gets to be really hard to could let be. it go. Could be. You know, like, all you start to think about are what it could have been better, could be this, could be that, could be that. And like, what, you know, it's that thing. It's like when you have the money and freedom and power to do anything, it can be paralyzing. Nope. And I wonder if that's what they keep running into in Half-Life 3 is like everybody's got different ideas. Everybody has different expectations. Even inside that company, it must be a really hard thing to try to like power your way through, even just through a meeting, let alone a development period. Yep. So here's a hope and he comes to his senses i mean he did say that they're working on single player games and so maybe mm-hmm. the one will be unveiled here in the next god knows how long like yeah i mean I'm, i think it'll get there eventually i mean we'll see a half-life 3 one day but like how old is gabe now probably 50s, 50s. yeah 50s. he's got time yeah not like it's running out no no, no. well no dead to think about it though i don't know I mean, I mean, he's not the healthiest guy None of us are. Yeah. <laughs> I think he might be a little... Well, he's even a, more a so. Of, well, a lot of late nights and fried food probably in the development world. I mean, yeah. no game developer eats particularly well when it comes down to crunch time. Truth be told, most people who it's work It's called hard crunch time well. because of all the potato chips. <laughs> and with that, we'll move on. 
going to talk briefly, not a total, a whole, a whole lot of time here, about the Zenimax versus Oculus Rift court case, mm. which started this week. Actually, brought Mark's, but uh, what's his name? Palmer Lucky had a, had a hiding. Yeah, Lucky <laughs> finally came out of his hole yeah. and uh, showed his face he had to. Yeah, and then a bunch of kids chased him trying to get his Lucky Charms. And uh, <laughs> then they realized that was the wrong Lucky. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> But yeah, that was the first time Palmer Lucky has been seen in public <laughs> since that whole like Trump meme thing was yeah. uh, exposed or whatever happened there. Um, so yeah, he testified. Uh, did, have you been reading about this at all? Some of it. I mean, it's it's a weird case in the sense that like a a lot of the laws aren't sure if they apply to some of the things they're arguing about because it's such a nitty gritty in the code case. Yeah. Um, it's they're going for copyright infringement, which is interesting because usually when people go after each this other, this guy also was kind of yeah. moved away from the limelight. And like, but usually when people go after uh, go after things for software stuff, it's patents. Yeah, because the thing about patents is uh, the code doesn't have to be similar at all; it just has to do the same, same thing. thing. Right. But copyright. It means they're saying Specifically you that code. stole our code. Right. But even no one even really knows how exact that has to be. So this will probably, if this goes to a, a verdict and isn't settled somehow, it will. It would probably create a precedent for a number of different things. You also um, wonder too the jury who who is trying this case. Yeah, do how really do you understand? No, all this? how do you find a jury of peers for this? That's uh, how crazy. Do you, I mean, I was listening to some of the testimony and it was going foosh, and I'm mm. like, I work in this space. Like, imagine just plucking like 30 people off the street and being like, "Hey, you want to sit and listen to mm. freaking code all day?" Yeah. Like, I mean, I have no. I mean, look, I don't know enough about coding to code anything, let alone make a decision on who's right in this in this uh, case so far. Uh, but it's, it, I mean, to me, I think we've said before, I'm like, Zenimax must have something, because otherwise you wouldn't go this, take this I mean, this I, I don't know how much reading you've done, but I've been reading a good bit about this, obviously, just with curating and stuff for Sifted, but also because I'm just curious, mm. it's starting to look a little dicey for Oculus Rift mm -hmm. and Carmack. It really is. Now, I, I'll say one thing. I know for sure now they should have brought the case. Mm. Before, I thought it was frivolous, sour grapes. I assumed all this. I didn't really do any research. <laughs> it, once it got far enough, I, I <coughs> couldn't assume that because you just wouldn't do that. Well, it's like when I worked at Viacom, like a lot of times, like they would say, you know, people would say, oh, you did something wrong to me or blah, 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 and I'm going to sue you for like millions of dollars. And Viacom would be like, okay, well, we'll win this case because they have no case, but we'll spend $200,000 on lawyers. Mm. We'll just give the guy ten grand and it'll go away. And sure enough, they'd be here's ten thousand dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they drop the case immediately. So when you see that Zenimax push forward with this, knowing that they're going to spend that kind of money on lawyers, that's when you know at least there's a hint that they have something there. Mm. But the testimony and the evidence that's been coming out in this case, John Carmack does not look good. No. Like he, like I mean, he's wiped, claiming that uh, that. All the Oculus tech came from Lucky in his prototype. And but, Lucky, yeah, like basically, <laughs> like created a cardboard cutout and put it together with duct tape. Yeah, and it's he like, like wait strapped, a minute. He like strapped an iPad to like a yeah. It didn't, it's like wait, bro. It's like, like we're not talking about that. We're talking about the 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 code, the guts. The, right. Yeah. And well, then they're they've also discovered that he like wiped some laptops that he had mm. like a couple days before, like or like before they got subpoenaed or something like. 
there's some stuff going on here. Like, I think this case already is interesting, and I think it could get even more interesting. And the crazy thing is, is if ZeniMax wins this case, it could get an injunction that would force Facebook to stop selling the Oculus Rift. Think about that. Yeah. If you're Facebook... And you've invested all this money. Think in... about that if you're an Oculus buyer. Right. Like you, you... Earlier I said, like, Oculus is probably the one that's most in the clear. Now, maybe they're all in trouble. Yeah. We're all going to be using Gear VR by the <laughs> end. It's all that's going to be left. The well of, played, the Samsung. Of and then the Gear VR will explode, and we'll have right. no VR whatsoever. <laughs> you know, Samsung's batteries. I wouldn't yeah. buy anything with Samsung batteries at this point. Nothing. Be afraid it would just blow up in my pocket and I'd yeah. lose my junk. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't want to talk about this too long because I realize this is kind of a dry topic for a lot of people. But well, there's I, also no conclusion for it. Right, though. right. It's not over yet. But I felt a little bad because I felt like when we had talked about this in passing before, we kind of just blew it off and assumed like this is ZMX just going for a cash grab. You know, they're jealous. They're trying to get, they want some of the money that... Facebook well, I, no, gave it. I think I said that like if they're going this far with it, they must have something on him. I don't they know. do, and so it and looks we're like seeing that, that is true. Yeah, so uh, you know we'll probably come back to this when the case mm -hmm. is decided. It probably should be over by the end of the month, I'm guessing, um, barring any more surprises. Yeah, I mean, which could happen. You never know. But uh, right now, to me, it's kind of fifty-fifty on who wins this case. Like it'll be interesting to see. I think. Well, yeah, it's a lot of when well, a lot of it's coming down. You know, especially if you're dealing with a jury that isn't maybe code. You know, unless you like clone Cliffy B a, right. a few times, like you're probably not going to have people that fully understand what they're deciding on. Um, it's going to kind of come down to you know word versus word. You know, he said, he said, I suppose. Yeah. And you got to wonder who's going to be the witness that uh, comes off the best. Um, Carmack can can seem a little cold, uh, so you, you wonder if it's. You think about we were talking earlier about the jury as well. Yeah. I mean, if they start dozing off on all this stuff, which I think I probably would start dozing off after a while hearing a lot of this testimony that they're giving. Yeah. What you start to hone in on is the people yeah. and well, how they act. Well, after a while, and in things situations like that, you you the, you just get tired of all the, the and you just want to lean into the defendant and be like, "Did you kill that guy?" You know, right. It's just like, Come on, like, just, <laughs> let's just get it? on with it. Yeah. But I think what they start leaning on, if they can't understand all the verbiage and all that, all the nomenclature that's being used and all mm. the stuff they're talking about, they just start trying to look at the person. And Carmack, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever interviewed Carmack, but yeah. he's a tough interview, man. He is just, you know, he answers in like three or four words. He's not especially cordial. He's, he's not a bad guy or anything. He's a nice guy and he's fine. He's just a little socially awkward. He'd, like also, a lot of game he'd also rather be building code right. or yeah, it's rockets not his or scene. something. Yeah, he's got other and, things to do. Right. And so, you know, when you're sitting there and you're being grilled by this attorney. Mm -hmm. well, I, well, I and, I, and then you got to wonder, like, they're, if they're going to bring in a whole bunch of expert testimony to try to contextualize one side or the other's, like, claims about certain things. And then that means that all these outside people have to look at this code. Right. And, you know that you know Facebook is and Oculus are probably not happy about that because you're getting a lot of proprietary proprietary stuff out right. in the open. I mean, yeah. it, you know, even if they don't get nailed for this in this case, uh, it could be uh, a very bad long-term thing for them. Yep. So we'll see. Like I said, probably by the end of the month, the case should be all sorted out, and we'll make sure to check in with you guys when that happens. Now it's time to talk about Nintendo Switch. As you guys know, we did a pretty much a whole episode and. Uh, our live reactions to the press conference last uh, episode. So there's a lot of stuff that we don't really need to bother talking about this time. 
All we're going to bring up is kind of the details that came out since that presentation. Mm -hmm. Some stuff actually happened in the presentation that we didn't notice because we were talking or focusing on something else. Um, but we have a list here. I think the biggest thing is the launch lineup. So we really had no idea when that press mm -hmm. event ended what the launch lineup was. They were kind of tossing out some dates here and there for some of the games. We didn't really know what was going to be there. Matt, there are five games. Actually, now there's six because they just announced that the Binding of Isaac Afterbirth or mm -hmm. Afterlife or whatever, I can't remember what the subtitle is, is also going to be there at launch. So there's six games now. That, Zelda, which that's a great launch game. Yeah. They don't get much better than that. Super Bomberman R, 1-2 Switch, which has been getting awful, awful impressions mm. from the press events around the world. That, that milking footage is going to haunt them forever. Yep. For the rest of the system's life. Just Dance 2017 and Skylanders Imaginators. Wee. Not... Actually, I'll be praying for the Wii after that launch yeah. lineup. That is the worst. Is that also, the worst launch lineup you've ever it's seen? Pretty bad. Also, what was my <laughs> prediction? More than fifty percent ports. Yeah. Zelda, Just Dance, Skylanders. Yeah. Those are those are all available on other platforms and uh, Binding of Isaac. Yeah. I. Uh, so uh, yeah, not tops. I mean, the super. At least Bomberman looks better than that. Uh, the one that came out uh, on the Xbox uh -oh. like, several years ago. But it's freaking uh, Bomberman. Oh, yeah. They're also selling it for $50. Yeah, that's the interesting... I keep seeing people like talk about how oh, it's a handheld, it's a handheld, it's a handheld. Well, they're charging console prices for these no, games. No, that's just a cop-out. That is oh, just yeah. a cop-out. That is... Those, that's a Nintendo fan grasping at straws, trying to find any reason or any way to rationalize the price of this thing and the fact that most people are not happy with what they've seen of it so far. Um... That is, I mean, imagine if Zelda wasn't there and if it was just like Splatoon 2 or something like that. Oof. Well, here's the thing. I, I think it's incredibly obvious that they would rather be launching this this fall. Yeah. And for whatever reason, probably, I, I think they can't push this thing and probably more importantly Zelda past the end of the fiscal year, March 31st, without having a shareholder riot on their hands. Yeah. Um, I think they're basically being forced to put this out when, when it is just in terms of keeping their investors happy. Because clearly you would rather launch this when the online service is up and running and functional and more stuff is ready to go and Mario is in, you know, ready to, to be released. And you, you know, that would be a super... You know, okay, so let's say you put, well, if you push it back to like October, November when, and everything stays in the same you know, development timeline and you have uh, Splatoon 2 and you have Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and you have um, uh, now I'm starting Mario... To think, you know what, you have, no, I'm starting to think now that... Splooch, 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 That's Splatoon 2 and Mario Kart 8 aren't going to do squat because... No, I don't think they will. The only people that are buying this at launch are the hardcore Nintendo yeah. fans who already But if those are all gathered up on the same launch day, I think that would be a more interesting perspective pers for a prospective buyer who was not already invested in the Nintendo idea. I mean, look at this. Particularly if you had, didn't own a Wii U. I mean, this goes, this, looking at all this, this is why I made that prediction for 2017, because it's like, after launch, look, people like us are going to play Zelda in a week, week and mm -hmm. a half, maybe. The more casual folks, take them a month, maybe. What happens after that? Uh, I put my Switch in the little Zelda case that the Zelda thing comes with, 
and I put it in a drawer and I pull it out in November. I mean, basically. really though. That's what basically gonna what's going to happen. And it doesn't take a genius or someone who works in the industry to see it. It's not like... No. I just don't think they have a choice on this. I think they had to put this thing out before the end of fiscal year 2017. And so this is, this is what they got. Like, it's bad. It's an it's a incredibly weak launch lineup. Minus Zelda, the whole run-up to Mario is, is mortifying. I mean, look, but, that's basically what we're looking at right now, Matt, is Zelda. Mm-hmm. And then really nothing all that compelling until hopefully Super Mario Odyssey actually comes out when it's supposed yeah. to. And I think it will. I, I think you're skeptical and I'm less skeptical. And the only reason I'm less skeptical about Mario Odyssey coming out this year is because if it doesn't come out this year, they are fucked. Yeah. Like, there's like they got nothing. That's a good point. Like, it has to make I it. I mean, we just said that. Like, and what we, do you do after right. Zelda? It's like... And we have made the point before that it is about the right time... You know, space of time between the last it major is. Mario yeah. game and this one that they should have been able to get it done in time. Here's the real rub, though, Matt. What incentive does anyone, or not anyone, any big Nintendo fan have to buy Switch? Because it's coming out day and date on the Wii U, and all those people mm-hmm. have a Wii U. It looks better? They barely. You, you want to Some spe- people would even argue that it's just like stylistically a little different. I think it looks definitely looks clearer in the screen. I mean, clearly it's a resolution bump. You yeah, know? like you know that's, that's well, that's it's what you get. Not 720p to 900p. Right, and uh, as long as you're playing it on the TV. On the TV, right, and um, and that was an interesting little series of arguments, wasn't it? Yeah. Like the what the reps on the floor were saying, 900p upscaled to 1080p. Yep. And then Aonuma said, no, it's 1080p. And then there's like, oh no, it's not actually made. It's more like that. It's it's scaled in 1080p, but it's 900p rendering. And you know, and like, yeah. which is what, what I thought was because like it's like, oh well, the rep was just didn't know what he's talking about. Where did the rep get the number get that 900? Info. Yeah, like where <laughs> he did didn't that just come pull from? Pull that out of his butt. So he doesn't like... know what he's talking about, but he happened to pull the, ha- <laughs> the resolution people use when they can't hit 1080p. It's interesting. <clears throat> you just wait for a digital foundry to count the pixels. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and then it's 900p. So so. And <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, just look, it's sold out. Yeah, I mean... Well, it's a, probably the pre-orders were probably half a million, I'm guessing. So they probably that. sold about half a million. They're saying they're already. making two million for the launch right. worldwide. So. And they probably put out five, half a million pre-orders. Yeah. And, like, not every place... Safe. Not every retail ch- outlet that's getting... Going to sell them on launch day is going to do pre-orders. Right. So, you know, it's... I mean, I, I mean it'll sell out. It'll, the, the launch allocation will sell out. I have no doubt of that whatsoever. There are enough fans and enough people curious and enough zealous. I'm really starting to wonder though, Matt. I think it will. I really am. I think it will. I, like I mean, two million in the first month, month and a half? I don't know, man. I think it might. I, 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 I think there's enough Nintendo fans. I wonder how many of them are going to be put up with it. Because here's the thing. If you already own a Wii U. But they know that they can just buy it. They can just spend $50 or 60 bucks and play it on the Wii U instead of spending 500 with after the accessories and everything. Yeah, well look, if you buy bare bones, if you just buy the, the, the Switch... And Zelda and a Pro Controller. Presumably, you want a Pro Controller so you can actually charge the damn thing because you can't charge the Joy Cons while they're while you're playing it because uh, the the grip it comes with doesn't have a charger. Thanks. Right. Yeah. Um, 
you know, you buy a thirty dollar yeah. piece of plastic to to charge them off. The, I mean, and it's like, I oh, it's, it lasts twenty hours. That's not the point. No, nope. there should at no point be any moment where I'm playing a game next to a power outlet where I can't keep playing if something runs out of batteries. No, you're right. If the if That's my PlayStation insane. Four DualShock runs out of thing, I can plug it into the either into the PlayStation Four with it, or I can plug it in any or in USB anything. outlet with yeah. it, and I can play it that way. If yeah. my 3DS runs out of juice, I can plug it into the wall, plug that in, play it like that. Yeah. If my Joy Cons run out of juice, I have to put them on the Switch and put them in the dock and wait for them to charge, right. and that is ridiculous. Yeah, well, unless you pay the thirty dollars. I pay thirty bucks for that, and it's like, how about you gave me the thirty dollar charger that cost you like fucking fifty cents to make it in does. the box, as opposed to. I don't know. It's cramming another no, you're e- right. cramming you're talk- the NFC reader in the left Joy-Con because that's a critical feature. Yeah, Great. I mean, you're, Thanks, you're seriously talking about probably a dollar. Yeah. From Nintendo. Yeah. That they were unwilling. They were unwilling to, to throw that bone to you. And it's and like, their fans are so. <laughs> and they're already charging three hundred bucks for something that can't run uh, a port of their last system's game at full 1080p. Yeah, and, and 60, forget sixty. And 60 forget, forget 60. sixty. Yeah, they're trying to lock it at thirty. <laughs> Oh man, and it's like, and it's fine if you wanted that to basically be a handheld with, you know, the ability to play it on a screen like Super Game Boy style. But you're charging me sixty bucks for that Zelda game, and that is a console game. Yeah, yeah. For that money. I mean, look, Switch games are priced like, con- and I think yeah. that's why Nintendo keeps saying over and over, no, 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 this is a console. We're still going to support mm-hmm. the 3DS. Actually, that's one of the things we want to talk about. Nintendo has been adamant. That it wants to continue supporting mm-hmm. the 3DS. Which is not what they were saying before, as I no, recall. No, it's was, not it was... even just that, though. It's dumb. Mm-hmm. It's like you want to force people over onto your new platform. The longer right. you keep making games for the 3DS, the less likely people are to upgrade. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a catch-22, because on one hand, I, I kind of see where they're sort of... I have coming... no revenue. Right. Well, they're sort of, <laughs> well, I see where they're coming from on keeping the 3DS kind of alive, or on, at least on live support, because it's like, look, if this Switch thing does not work, you want to be able to fall back to the 3DS. They can't, but, but look, at that point, but the 3DS they will. is dead. No, they, mean, they'll fall back to the 3DS because they've got the install base. That's what they'll do. Uh, uh, if the Switch just does not work, if it's not working, that's what they'll do. do. That. You 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 say that now. But see, but, I mean, they may try. They'll I'm try. just saying it won't be as successful. People will still own it. Like, you know, there's at, least, at the very least, you'll have a way, way larger base to work from. Although, let's not forget, the 3DS still hasn't outsold the PSP. Right. Um... But like, which a lot of people consider a failure. The right. PSP. <laughs> right. Sony certainly did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, like, so, but the but the argument, as we've said before, for discontinuing the 3DS support is it le- get, lets you transfer all your development effort onto the one system to that's keep the bit, to that's keep the that problem. library robust. Right. And that and doesn't seem to be that. happening. And that's probably why the software for the first year of Switch looks like garbage, hot trash, because yeah. they didn't do what they said they were going to do, which is. Take all these developers off of the 3DS and have them making Switch games. Like, they're still making 3DS games. Look, one day next year sometime, if we're lucky, we're going to get a free-to-play Fire Emblem Musou game. You're not happy about uh, that? I don't know what to tell you about some of that shit. Yep. Like, it's, it's Let, Let's start going through some of this weird. other stuff, because we have a lot to get through here, and we're, we're bumping up against it for time. So, no external hard drives at launch. It doesn't surprise me. How do you um, not support that at launch? It's just plugging uh, in something to your USB port. Because they really want to push the portable angle, I guess. No, or they the, don't. They want to the, push the console angle. But in a console, you can take with you. You got to take ah! it to the basketball court. 
Dude, that's insane. That's the th well, that's the thing. Is How like, can you not support an external hard drive? It's not like it's rocket science to get it to work. They'd rather have you buy those like really expensive cards. Why? They make no know. money off of those. Because it keeps it portable, I guess. I mean, look, it was encouraging to finally hear that it will support two terabyte micro SD cards, which mm. don't exist yet, but when they do... <laughs> Seriously, they don't. No. But when they do, and that's exactly what Nintendo said. They don't exist yet, but when they do, they will work. Yeah. I don't know how you can prove that, but two terabyte micro SD card? Will that ever happen? I can't imagine I'm going to need that much space for the Nintendo system, boys. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I. Oh, come on. I ain't going all, all, all digital with this one, that's yeah. for sure. I mean, well, Nintendo, is, is there's no reason to go digital with Nintendo because no. their, their box copies maintain their maintain value, value. Yeah. and ultimately are worth lots of money years later. The, like, only, the only digital copy of... I mean, I have digital copies of Smash Brothers and Splatoon because that's what came with the, with the right. Wii U, and I have uh, a digital copy of Super Mario 3D World because uh, about a year ago they discounted it to like 19 bucks. Right. I'm, I'm like, done. Like, yeah. come on. Like, it's still 60 bucks in the store. As long as it's cheaper, there's a reason yeah. to do it. But like, yeah, I, I, overall I'm going to buy physical copies of Nintendo games because they're always worth something. Yep. And and also like I don't know, like it's just it's it just seems to make more sense like in this case. Like why not? Like and they're adorable little boxes, you know. <laughs> it doesn't take up a lot of room. Uh let's see what else. No streaming services at launch. None. No Netflix, yeah. no Amazon, no nothing. Mm -hmm. And I app free at launch. And now look, I don't I, I it's 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 this is kind of a, a, a double-edged sword because like on one hand I kind of agree with some of the people that are saying like, well, I already have like five, seven devices that run yeah. Netflix, so I don't need another one. But at the same time, that's Nintendo refusing to give you basic functionality that every other device of this caliber and this price and this value does give you. And the fact that they're withholding that value add should tell you something about how they're approaching this. I mean, every device. My freaking phone plays Netflix. Mm -hmm. Like, everything does. Well, your does. freaking phone is going to also be your multiplayer lobby, so... Uh, nice segue there. <laughs> yeah, so that's the other thing. Everything is going to be done on an app. You're going to have to mm -hmm. chat with people through an app? Yep. What the hell is that? That is, we don't want to give up any of the four gigabytes of RAM to the OS if we don't have to. Dude, that is insane. Remember, the, the, the Wii U's OS footprint is one gigabyte. Yeah. Use a whole bunch. And compare that, by the way, to the best console OS ever, the 360, which took up 32 megs. Yep. And did all the voice chat, all the party chat, yeah. all the blades, all that. 32 megs. Oh, Nintendo's OS is bloated. Which is, I mean, part of that is because Microsoft made OS's forever until they made the 360. Which is probably why Although, Nintendo's also chucking Miiverse. Right. Because they don't want to have that all running in the background. They're getting rid of Miiverse. They're basically getting rid of Miis. You can still create a Mii. Yeah, but you can see a little avatar picture thing there. You can, still, like... you can still create them. And they said, but they're like leaving it up to mm -hmm. like each developer to support it. Like they're ba And there's, there's no Street Pass on the tablet. Yeah. Which is one of the coolest features. And they're like, oh. I do enjoy Street Pass. The excuses they're giving though, it's like, yeah, it's awesome. It's really freaking cool. Like I'll have my 3DS sitting in my apartment and like, just the kids who go to UCLA that live in my building, the rich kids, like, they all have 3DSs, and I get all these street passes with just sit, like, and they're saying, oh, it's because it's a console. What? Like, what are you talking about? It, but it, the it's thing supposed of, to be both, isn't it? Why not give it that functionality? Steam I mean, is well, about to and blow the real, my ears. And the real answer is probably because they're desperately trying to make the battery last longer. Probably. I don't know what the for Street Pass. I have no idea what the excuse is. None. I really cannot. Or it doesn't, come it up doesn't with any have idea you know you, that would have to be built into the Joy-Con somehow. It wouldn't be part of the actual tablet unit. Yeah. Uh, that could be, see. Although I wonder if that could be something you could eventually buy. Could they sell a, a Street Pass Joy-Con? 
Could, that I had guess. that tech in the Joy-Con, charge you $4,000 for it, and just like, <laughs> you know, slap it on when you go out and it works that way. I don't know. I would hope they would never, ever do that, but... You're already, that's how, all you're ready how you're going to have to do it to get a decent D-pad. I mean, what if people don't have, like, a smartphone? Like... A lot of people don't. You can't use chat, and they're charging you for the service to use the online, and you have to use an app? A paid app. Because <laughs> I assume the paid app is part of the paid service. But I've heard it's a pay, like you have to you know you can't just download it you have to be have something or something. Well, they, well, here's the thing. So we have an app with we have footage actually of this other app. It's like a parental controls app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a separate. That's a different thing. Are you sure it's separate or is it all one big app and the parental controls? I are thought just it was separate, part of but it. I'm not. I'm not clear on any of this because they haven't really you know all the information from these are coming from like one press release and like two different interviews with Reggie where he said slightly similar things like. No one, no one seems to be. It's like this system's five weeks out, and we don't know clarity on any of these things. And it's like that, you know, the online structure, including the pricing, is kind of something one might like to know before, before they, they buy three hundred dollars at something. Yeah, I mean, so let's start talking about the online a little bit. So we don't know what the price is going to be. That's nope. that's one thing we do know. It's not coming until the end of the year. It, it, it's going to be like up, it's going to be up in some kind of form in the summer, probably alongside Splatoon and Mario Kart, uh, and it'll be free. At first, I guess until like, the end of the year. Until the end of the year, and and then uh, basically uh, like and then we'll, bait and switch. Yeah, it's like, and the hey, app will be like, get hooked into this, right. and then we'll make you pay for and it. And the app will be partly functional at that point, and then in the fall it will go full version will be released, um, whatever that means. Uh, it looks like you'll be able to play random multiplayer, like random pickup games through the console itself. But it, from Reggie's comments, it seems like. If you want to play with your friends, you have to use the app. Yes, it's it's crazy. It really is crazy. Like dude. why? I mean, why? <laughs> it's insane. The PSP can do that, and so they they haven't said what they're charging. If they look, if it's like ten dollars a month, or if it's like ten dollars a year, or something like that. If they want fine. ninety dollars for that dock, they ain't charging ten bucks a year. But how do you rationalize it? No one's going to use it because, one, there aren't hardly any online games for Nintendo. Like, there aren't. Like They're going to get the Splatoon people, and that's about it. Splatoon and Mario Kart. That was really the only Wii U games that were worth a squat to play online. It's like, I would have never paid for an online service for Wii U. Ever. Hell no. no. I just would not play the game's multiplayer. Like, Splatoon's worthless without multiplayer. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me, like... Who's gonna? There's no. From what they're saying, there's no campaign in Splatoon Two. Yeah. It's still just multiplayer so only. So then you got to wonder what does Splatoon Two cost? Right. Is it sixty bucks? If yeah. it's sixty or bucks, or is does it, it really? Does it include like a year of the? Well, Nintendo it comes out in the summer, so right. you'll get the first the four first, months of it for free. A little bit of playing online, free. yeah. But it's like so. In the end, Splatoon Two is costs whatever it costs at retail plus, plus whatever it costs to subscribe. Because what else are you gonna be playing? Right. <laughs> I mean. Mario Kart, or even or even if you are playing something else, it's like if you want Splatoon, your copy of Splatoon two to be useful, you got to continue. Here's here's the real kicker, Matt, and this is what pisses me off more than anything else. So you know, with PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, you subscribe, you get a couple free games every month. Some months the game sucks, some months you're blown away by how good they are. Bottom line is you're still getting a, a few free games. Hell, for Sony, some months you get like six between like PS4, PS3, and Vita. Mm. Nintendo is doing the same thing. It is going to give you games, but you only get to keep the games for that month. It's extremely dumb. Like, I wish I had something like, to throw. Like, what are you doing there where you're like, oh, oh let's look at how everybody else does it, and we're going to do that, but we're going to do it in a worse way 
that works against the people. And who are here's paying for why it. they're doing it, Matt. It's because they make so much money forcing their fans to buy the same mm. game over and over and over again. Even if it's, it's a, why, even if it's a pirated version of Super Mario Brothers, they right, right, that they're selling themselves. <laughs> It's like, I don't, they, how stupid do they think people, it's like they haven't announced yet, like, um, whether your old virtual console purchases are going to mm. make it onto the Switch. Hell no, they're not going to make it over. Well, There's do, no way in hell. Well, they'll do like what they did with the Wii U. Where you can buy it for cheaper. Well, no, yeah, well, the, you know, the Wii, if you own virtual console stuff on the Wii, it did transfer the Wii U, but to play them, you had to go into that Wii emulation mode. And right. if you wanted to play them in Wii U mode, which meant... You basically, if you want to use them on the gamepad without the TV right. or whatever, you had to pay like a dollar or something right. per game yep. to upgrade them yeah, they just to keep that. Making money and that's the what the, and that's that what they're going to they're do something like that again. I'm sure. If they don't do something like that, I will be floored because it'll be something where it's like you, if you want to play them either on the go or on the TV, whichever they decide people want to do more, that'll be the thing you have to pay for. Basically. Yep. So we've been talking about the lack of software at launch, wondering what's coming throughout the year, where the third-party support might be. And then this week, a couple, what, you, get, you get the open-hand slap and then the backhand. Mm. The open-hand slap is Randy Pitchford saying that Borderlands 3 is not coming to the Switch. Said that he was in touch with Nintendo, and Nintendo just kind of disappeared and mm. hasn't heard anything since, and it's not so they, happening. He said they have other priorities. Yeah, like making money. <laughs> Borderlands sells pretty well. It sure does. And there's nothing else like it on the Switch right now. Well, they have other priorities. It's basically what they're thinking of themselves is, okay, we can take our time to build a special version of this for Switch where we have to completely rework the graphics engine because there's no way in hell it's going to be able to run it to sell probably what amounts to like 200,000 mm -hmm. copies of it. Or we can just make it better for PC, Xbox One, and PS4 and sell another million of them on each one of those. Mm -hmm. Well, now on top of that, so when's, when do we think Borderlands 3 is? This year? No, I highly doubt it. Because cause the other problem might be, maybe Randy knows more about their online stuff than we would. Yeah. And he's like, no, we're not going to deal with that. And, and or, or maybe Nintendo doesn't ca you know, Maybe Nintendo doesn't want like the raunchy M-rated, you know, bloody shooter to be one of their, you know, early premier online games. Yep. Because that Borderlands 2 presumably would launch, you know. Right when that online service is finally finding its feet. And it costs money. Yeah. And so maybe it just doesn't seem worth it. Dude, no one is going to pay for Nintendo's online service. Because, look, uh, if all there is to play is Mario Kart and Splatoon, by the time that service Brothers. starts to charge you, there's going to be nothing anyone wants to play on it. Well, they're basically... It seems like they're holding games like Splatoon and Smash Brothers hostage for online play. Like, well, Smash, like, they definitely will. Yeah. So that's what, like, basically you're going to pay for. Is they're assuming people Smash are going to get Brothers hopelessly online. addicted to those games and right. want to play them six months later. Well, they've got their audience. You know, they've got the people... You know, there's people that still, to this day, play Splatoon religiously and consider it the best game of the generation. Um, these are the people... But there's not enough of those people to matter in the, in the large scheme of things. Like, you're not going to break out of your Wii U bubble into the mainstream sales numbers by just doing that. Like, it's not, it's, there's nothing the, there. Thus, the graphic for this topic. Oh, the irony. Because the system is called Switch... And I cannot really see a change in anything across mm. their whole strategy. It is the same crap that we dealt with with the Wii. And in fact, well, the Switch is really another freaking Wii U, except you can go more than 30 meters away with it. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, we, we, we've been thinking the Switch refers to the idea that it can go from the, the TV to portable. 
but maybe it refers to being hit in the ass with a piece of wood. <laughs> Good one. And then the final kick in the teeth was yesterday. A couple of the Titanfall 2 devs went on a podcast, mm-hmm. and they basically shared their impressions of the Switch. And I will say... Didn't they mostly laugh? Yep. I will say, I don't think I've ever seen a developer do something like this, where they go on a podcast and just sit down and basically do what we're doing right now and critique a piece of hardware. And did they ever? Yeah. Well, it really felt like it's like, it's like oh my God, you want, like, well, you're never going to need them. The host asked them. Respawn clearly does not plan to make any Nintendo games. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, literally, when, it, when the host asked them, if they were considering porting Titanfall 2 to the Switch, both of them just busted out in full laughter. Well, how would you do that? Like, there's no way it could run it. And, and all this is why my 2017 prediction, that's where it came from. It was All this was the genesis of it. I started looking at all the facts, and it's just like, where are the games going to come from for this thing after the first year? All Nintendo. And yep. then, meanwhile, Nintendo's... Dragging his feet to working on the 3DS. It's just. Do you think so? So at this point, it feels like Nintendo's pretty much relegated to being a boutique system that sells about 10 million units. It can't do that anymore. It can't make money doing that. Unless they start designing their systems to be that. After this, do you see them admitting that that's what they are? I mean, I don't know how you would design a system specifically to be that. Well, you'd tone it way down, like this. They already have. Yeah, but like you'd even more so, like. Tone away. Like make it like a Nvidia Shield. Something yeah, like kind that. of. Yeah, but see, it's, it's like I still think they're charging way too much. Like the price, oh, they're, yeah. they're pricing themselves into the grave on this thing. And the and really, what what should have happened is like I don't think. I mean, the Joy Cons are like they're packed with tech. The price is coming from those. Yeah. And the and the touchscreen. Yeah. But like, I just feel like you, those Joy Cons should have been streamlined, empty pieces of plastic that just controlled the games, and it yeah. should have been. It should have been a straightforward, we really don't streamlined need game system. We really None of that need is needed. Three D rumble. And I'll tell you what the other skew should have been. It should have been one skew with Joy Cons, one skew with the Pro Controller. Yeah. Because I would have bought the Pro Controller skew and never looked at the Joy Cons again. Yeah. And I know that cuts out the or if portable they just aspect. Released a version that's just portable. Yeah. And or, lower the price. But it that's cu- what, but cut you, out the dock. Cut out the Joy Cons. But you can't do that because it's named after the ability to jump from the dock and out of the dock. Like, no, like that's th- their whole point. I think eventually you'll see that happen. I think it'll take, they'll get real, I don't know if they'll ever sell it without the dock. That that feels like they're just, that would be swallowing the pride a little too hard for Nintendo. They're going to have to. I really think the Switch is going to be a disaster, Matt. A disaster. 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 <laughs> Total disaster. All right, let's move on. Yeah, my, my impressions, by the way, of Switch after that unveiling has just gradually mm-hmm. just gone down. As more and more information came out, as more and more interviews were done with Nintendo, as I had to listen to Nintendo make excuses, as I watched Nintendo's fans trying to make excuses mm-hmm. and fall short, it's like a lot of times you can rely on the fans to actually be like, hey, like, no, this is what they're doing. And you're like, oh, you're right. I never thought of that. Not this time. No. This time they just look like excuse makers and they're just grasping at straws, just praying mm-hmm. that, this nightmare isn't reality. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting one because it's part of the job. We're going to have to talk about it. We yeah, I mean, play, I already pre-ordered Zelda. one and everything, but... I'm mad that I have to have one of these things, basically. Like, I don't, if I was just, like, a normal gamer without, like, you know, professional obligations to this kind of thing, like, I would not touch this thing for... Just like I did with the Wii U. I didn't buy it for, what, years? 
until it got dropped to like a Black Friday deal where the system was bathed. Basically 150 bucks. Yeah. Plus two games. Yeah. Like that was the price for me. And this, I don't even know if I'd ever want this. But like, you know, it's all for you guys. We're going to sacrifice that. But it's like, um, it's a business expense. If you're talking about someone who's buying it on their own as like a game, just an entertainment console, like I would never, like, I'd be like, wait and see and, I don't know, fall 2018 and see how it's going. Like, I don't, like, how do you recommend this to someone this year? I don't see it. People are getting salty at us in the chat. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, cheater hater. Seriously, if you hate it so damn much, stop covering it. That has nothing to do with why we cover stuff. That's not, that's not really how it works. No. Yeah, that's not really why we do this. It's mm. to help other people figure out whether they should buy things or not. It's not whether we like it or we don't like it. We're a service. We're trying to help other people figure out whether they should drop money on it. So, Anyway, let's move and on. Theoretically, you should be able to just look at this, in my opinion, and be like, yeah, no. Yeah. Like, this is not going to be worth $300 to you. But you got to do it. You got to play it. You got to put your hands on it. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of hands-on impressions of the Joy-Cons have been positive, And I believe those positive impressions. But I don't know if they're $80 positive. Yeah. All right, let's move along. Next, we're going to talk about December MPD sales. I'm not going to talk about it long. Just wanted to bring it up because it's something I've been harping on on this show for the last six months or so. And that is that the industry is in trouble. Everyone tells me I'm crazy. But December, year over year, down 15%. 2016 overall flat with 2015. That's after the hardware releases. So mm -hmm. think about that. Every one of those consoles, $300, cha-ching, 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 and the industry ends up flat. I think there's a definite trend here. And Matt, you've been privy to some information that scared the living crap out of mm -hmm. me that we can't share here on the show. How bad is it, Matt? Pretty bad. If you're a AAA developer, it's pretty bad. Like last December, last quarter, holiday season for several AAA developers was a complete bloodbath. Like literally a bloodbath. And we're not going to get into numbers. We're not going to talk about the games because the information we got, we don't want to spoil the sources, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Things are not good. It'd be, I'd say uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the first two quarters of the year in terms of whether you start to see some major developers contract or close up. Because a lot of stuff has not, you know, the stuff that was released in the holiday season, we've talked about this before, did not sell to expectations by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And, you know, some of these large companies can take that hit. But we, you don't always know what the financial status of, of a particular company is, and sometimes you're counting on that money. Yeah. And if it doesn't make it, if it doesn't come in, if it doesn't do what it needs to do, you got to cancel some projects or you might get in trouble. And so I'm, it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next uh, several months as sort of, you know, the fiscal year is tabulated and, and projections are made and people try to start to understand why what happened in the second half of 2016 happened. Um, is it is it a the trend? Is, is it something that only happened last year and won't happen again this year? Is it a, is that how it is now? Is it people learning that you don't have to buy something on launch day because three weeks from now it'll be forty bucks? That like, is a big problem with the games industry in general, and you get a little bit of this with film too. Is that the projects take so long mm -hmm. that you can't be nimble? It's so in something like this disaster. I mean, and it was a disaster. People like what happened to some of these games in November, December, a disaster. When something like this happens, you can't just immediately be like, hey, like, yeah. I mean, maybe that's part of what drove Microsoft to cancel Scalebound? Because it's like a movie, you know, a movie, you can always do some reshoots, you can do some re-editing, stuff can be saved in the edit bay, as they say. 
But a game, especially a big multi-million dollar game, that's a that's a runaway train. Once those train. wheels are moving, yeah. you don't you're not stopping it. No, like that's coming into the station one way or the other. Yep, and that is the danger of the industry is that the bets have gotten so big mm-hmm. and so long and far reaching that it can't adjust, it can't juke, mm-hmm. and it, you're, it's like the Titanic heading towards the iceberg. It's like you can see the iceberg because you hit like a chunk mm-hmm. of it like back there, but the ship is so big and going in that you just can't steer it around it and like. I don't know. I'm scared a little bit about what's going on. And like again, I wish we could share the numbers because the numbers are like mind blowing. Mm. Like MPD doesn't share specific numbers anymore. And after months like December, I know why. But there's a lot of chatter in 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 the industry right now about what about you know sales and this was this or what what happened here or was it because of you know a political situation or is it because of like you know, economic inst- instability or you know what was it because the lineup wasn't strong enough and people just were waiting for something else was people confused about all the different consoles coming out you know the ps4 pro and like well the people waiting for the scorpio you know but does anyone even know what the scorpio is like it, it, it like no one really seems to know why it happened well i think part of it is a self-repeating death spiral because what happens is a game does poorly so they drop the price of it quickly Mm -hmm. people notice that next time a game comes out that maybe even they like that one a lot more than the one before they're thinking to themselves well this may drop in price in two months well even like look at not even that look at how fast titanfall dropped look at uh i even saw people complain like last guardian came out what december 8th you get that for 30 34 bucks on psn three weeks later yeah and then and then you're kind of left holding the bag like what about the people that paid full price for that three weeks ago yeah like well, just that's what I'm them? saying. Like, like, why like, would no, you? No, you even, are screwed, and that's why. You why would you are, even do that anymore? Right. So you're, you're, you make a good point. Even the people who are paying for the full price at launch are they're going to stop buying it too yeah. because they're getting burned as well. It's like, it's a self-repeating cycle, and like, mm. how do you stop it? Like, you stand your ground like Nintendo does with its software pricing, where it just hardly ever discounts anything, and it, at least people know, like, when you buy a Nintendo game, you're not getting ripped off. Because you know a week later it's not going to be half price or whatever. But with these third-party games, like, it's hard to tell someone to buy a full-price game right now. Yeah. It you, really and you, is. And, what, and in this industry that leans so hard on front-loaded first weekend, first two weekend yes. sales, uh, like, you can't, you can't be sitting around waiting. It's like, well, we didn't sell up to expectations in the first open, you know, launch weekend. But in two months, when it drops to 40, we're going to get tons of copies. It's like, that's not what you're banking on. That's not where your money comes from. And another place where that's exacerbated is through DLC. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times, like, that first big batch of DLC comes a month or two after it it comes out. And some people may just be like, screw it. I'll Mm -hmm. wait a month and a half. It'll be cut to half price. And then all the DLC comes out. It's like... Right now, the only thing gaming has going for it is that players want to be in the moment with other players. Mm. And they want to go online and they want to share their experiences playing games and mm. the parts that really struck them or the things that they didn't like or the things that they love. They want to go and share that. But you just got to wonder how powerful that is and if mm. it has the power to sustain someone when they know they can buy a game for half price a couple weeks later. Mm. Like, it well, seems it like should, slowly more and more people will make the decision... To just wait. Yeah. Well, also, like the more people that make that decision, the larger the group. You know, if you want to all experience them together, it's like, well, now it could. It, maybe it's not because I don't really play in groups like that anymore. But it's like, what if that that group mentality is becoming less? Let's all get this when it comes out, and more like, let's all get this when it hits forty. Yeah. 
because that seems like a pretty easy thing to arrange. Seriously. Because like if even if you should, oh well, you're not you're gonna you know that fear of missing out starts to really evaporate once you realize like, well, it's really the same in the you know one way or the other. Like these things last long enough that you can still have you know robust multiplayer for all the AAA stuff a couple months later. Um, and then I, I certainly have noticed more and more, especially on Twitter, um, people that hear about major, especially single player related DLC for games will then just automatically say, oh, well, I'll just wait for the Game of the Year edition. Yep. Which is a year later. But it's like, there's no harm to you in waiting a year to play something, really. Unless, especially if it's not a, if like, a, like an Arkham Knight kind of thing, where you're just like, well, I'm just going to wait for when all that stuff's out and I can play the whole game, you know? And it's like, in the end, you know, while I do enjoy playing stuff as soon as I can and, you know, at launch and all that and being part of the kind of the the hustle of, of, of everybody's playing it right now and it's starting, you know, we got it two days early and da, da, da. Like, I totally understand why somebody's like, no, I'm, I, don't, I don't need to do that right now. And I think that attitude is becoming more and more prevalent among consumers and I think that's where you're seeing a lot of this, these front-loaded games not sell up to expectations. And uh, I mean, well, how much? And, and my and of course, the question is, how do you adjust to that as an industry in ways that are not basically just ways of trying to screw the consumer and how they want to play something? And I wonder too if YouTube and Twitch people watching other I people playing games. Too, yeah, yeah. I mean, if the industry keeps going this direction, like these publishers are going to start reconsidering some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, some of these publishers might start cracking down on Twitch streamers and being like, "Bro, like we tried to work with you guys, but our sales are going." How long do you stick it out? And then you wonder, like, well, if we do that, does that anger the fans? And then nobody buys the game. Mm-hmm. I well, it's not good PR, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but, but if look, if, if you clearly state like we won't survive if people don't stop like watching other people play games or waiting for a discount or just aren't buying them at launch, like, what is the answer? There really is no answer. No. That's gonna work. But you know what? Ultimately, if it comes between that and like me losing like a publisher that I really love, like let them block Twitch mm-hmm. and YouTube. Like I don't care. I don't watch those things anyway. Like, and then uh, you know, although it seems like if you're an indie gamer, indie game maker, uh, sales have been pretty good. Yeah, that's so, good. That's good to hear. Uh, it's interesting to see kind of the, like the the cheaper. It is cheaper, and they their discounts are like two bucks yeah. instead of like half. Yeah, and the uh, and it's interesting to see like most of the concern seems to be coming from the AAA side of things. Yeah, uh, that's where the underperformance is. That's where all the risk it. is, you yeah. know. So and, and I got I don't know of a solution. I don't know. I mean, I know there's probably a lot. There's probably just people frantic, frantically focused testing and market researching right now, trying to figure out is this going to happen again? Is this the new normal, or it was just some fluke of 2016 and nobody wanted to buy? new video games that fall because everyone is still too depressed over David Bowie and Prince. You know, like, we, we don't know. Like, it, it, I, I honestly think there'll be a bounce back this year in 2017 mm-hmm. because the leading platform, the PlayStation 4, has a boatload of awesome mm-hmm. games coming to it. I think we're going to... And I think more people start getting on board with PlayStation 4 Pro. And a lot of those games are not as samey as what we saw in the latter right. half of 2016. Exactly. There's a lot of variety in what we're so about to get. So I... I'm optimistic. I do think this things will bounce back in 2017. Mm-hmm. If they don't, if they don't, then then ring the alarm bells. Definitely, yeah, for sure. Like if if some of these new games don't sell sell, you know, if, if Persona 5 underperforms, if Horizon, Horizon underperforms, Horizon's gonna be an interesting thing as well because like that game by all rights looks like it should be a very successful new IP. Yeah. 
but you always worry about the new IP. Can you get people interested? Can you get the message out? Can you get people to say, wow, that looks like something I really need to Based play Based upon right what now. happened to all those AAA sequels last year, it's sitting pretty. Yeah. Because if, if indeed people sort of balked at buying those games at full price... Things you already have, yeah. Because they're like, I played these already... Maybe this is where Horizon yeah. Zero Dawn comes in and just scoops up all that cash. Especially because it looks so unique. Yeah, it does. It, doesn't it looks look like unique, else. but it still looks familiar enough. Right. right. It's not weird. No, no. It's, like, it's, it's just, not like you're trying to it's sell me... cool. Like, it's not like you're trying to sell me No More Heroes or right, something. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, they're going to try to do that here. They're trying to do that. Yeah. Not for a couple years, though, because that, <laughs> that was the other interesting thing about that. Was if like the how, Switch still is around in two years... Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, how much stuff was just like, yeah, we're work. We haven't worked, started working on this yet. I know, gonna, I know. Like, I can see pseudo pseudo like starting work on No More Heroes and getting like halfway through it, and like the switch being done, yep. and then being like, all right, I guess it's coming to PC. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> see, on PC and PS4, boys. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the last topic of the day. Fire Emblem. There was a Nintendo Direct this week. Debut well, it didn't debut four Fire Emblem games, but it mm-hmm. was about four Fire Emblem games. But it debuted three of them. Holy cow! Yeah, big deal. So let's go through them very quickly. Fire Emblem Heroes is the mobile Fire Emblem that Nintendo's been talking about forever. It is free to play. It plays pretty much just like the Fire Emblem games that you get on mm-hmm. handheld or consoles in the past. Um, I guess they're going to make their money from people buying new characters. They haven't mm-hmm. outlined their financial strategy on it 100% yet. Well, if they're yet. smart, they, the money will come from, uh, oh, you want to resurrect that guy from Permadeath? Think Five about bucks. that, man. <laughs> That's actually really freaking yeah. smart, dude. That's like, really smart. Because here's a Fire Emblem where you literally can't save scum. Yeah. Somebody I mean, dies, they're it. dead, unless you want to really pay real money to bring them back. Unless you want to pay a dollar to revive them or whatever. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like every session I have with Fire Emblem that lasts an hour or two, at least two of my party members die. Yeah. And usually they're people where I'm like, oh, I invested all this time and effort, and like I would probably pay a dollar yeah. to revive them. That's, and it ties, I always loved um, uh, the, Kojima's original idea for Metal Gear Solid uh, 2, I think, was... You pay like five bucks for the game. Yeah. And when you died, you, the, you, the disc was deactivated. Right, right. Like you couldn't, yeah. And you had to go buy it again. And Konami was like, no, you yeah. crazy person. <laughs> what are you doing? And like, but it's like, he was just sort of ahead of the curve on that one when you look oh, yeah. at stuff like that. But like, I would, you know what? I'd be totally fine with that, Matt. Yeah. I don't think that's slimy at all. It's like, no. if you're good enough and you care enough for your character, you'll take care of him and you'll protect him. A and make skill-based sure he penalty die. is pretty, is pretty okay yeah. with me. And like, as long as there's a reason, like a dollar, great. Five bucks, go fuck yourself. Like, it, yeah. it, you got you to price that right. But it is, look, um, it is free to play after yeah. the free to start that was Super Mario Run. It's, they can't, I'm much more likely to pay for that than I am to pay for like a new level. Right. Or a new, you know, something but like that. But do you think, because Super Mario Run has done pretty terrible. In yeah. fact, right in line with what Pactor said it was going to do, which was pretty terrible. Do you think that this free to play model for Fire Emblem Heroes is a reaction to Super Mario Run? Or do you think this is already set in stone way beforehand? Mm, I'm not sure. I'd have to see it. I think you'll be able to see vestiges of that one way or the other when we get our hands on it. Um, Would not surprise me if it was a reaction, but at the same time, like, Nintendo isn't one to just make everything the same way. Yeah. So it could, you know, I can see them also making decisions about, like, well, maybe people won't pay outright for Fire Emblem the way they would for Mario. You know, before Mario, a lot before they knew that the conversion didn't work out too well. Yeah. Um, I could see them sort of deciding to go free-to-play just to get more hands on it, more eyes on it, um, and then sort of, like, once you're invested, then you're then we convert the whales over. Um, 
I don't know. Like, I feel like we'll be able to tell when we, when we see it. Okay. Second game they announced, Fire Emblem Echoes, Shadows of Valentia. That's cool. Or is it Valentia, Valentia? Probably Valentia. Um, yeah, this is, this is the, uh, the remake of the second one from way back in the day that never Fire came out. Fire came Emblem here. Gaiden, which had yeah. never been released. It, and I mean, it's just a complete rework. Total, re- yeah. It's a free-roaming Fire Emblem game yeah. in 3D. It's, uh... It looks like an action RPG, yeah. actually. Well, it's very... I mean, Fire Emblem... It's interesting that they're quadrupling down on Fire Emblem here, which was never really... That's kind of the point of this whole topic. That's yeah. what I was, I was working towards was, ultimately, is, is Nintendo lost its mind again? Maybe? <laughs> I mean, I, re- I really like Fire Emblem. So do I. Um, I love it. I've talked about it dozens of times But in the same show. way that I also really love Yakuza, and I'm like, I wouldn't recommend that Sony, like, make Yakuza the cornerstone of its PS5 launch lineup or anything yeah. like that. It's like, it's, it's, it's fascinating how they're really pushing this, this franchise all of a sudden after, like, you know, they've steadily released Fire Emblem games, but, like, wow, like, all of a sudden, it's just... Was Tokyo Mirage Sessions that good for it you? It did not or sell like, that it, well. No. Like, I mean, look, Fire Emblem Fates did. It sold yeah. really well. Awakening of so, Fates did very well. So I cool. totally understand Echoes you yeah. know, for the 3DS. Yeah, yeah. But Fire Emblem Warriors for the Switch? Look, I'm kind of on board Fire with Fire Emblem that. Switch for the Switch? I'm on board with the, the Muso game. Like, well, for that. I mean, will I pay 60 bucks for it? Probably not, but like I... You're a part of the problem, Kyle. What? Not paying full price for games. Not for a freaking Dynasty Warriors game. <laughs> I pay full price for plenty of stuff, just yeah, not I that. Know, I know, I um, like, know. That's like, like an example yeah. of like, you're like, I'm like, not paying full price for that. Well, no, but it's like Hyrule Warriors. Uh, I bought that like three months ago, finally, when it went on deep discount at Target for 19.99 because that was the right price for that stupid game. And that's what the price and, is for this, too, but it should be. Yeah. 19.99. Yeah. I thought we should be. pay for it. But I like it, and I think Fire Emblem's a great fit for that kind of game, and I love all Is the... it, though? Yeah. I guess. Guys with swords. swords and axes hacking <laughs> shit up. It's great. You know? And all the costumes look great, and the, and the capes will flow in the wind, and the hair will flow in the wind, probably more than the capes, because damn the hair. And yeah. uh, it's great. You know, big battlefields and knocking those guys around, and like if you get the animation, you can like kind of... You can get the animation to kind of like evoke that cool sort of like... That, that sort of dramatic... like. You know, exaggerated style the old 2D games had, which, yeah. I, which I don't think they've ever really quite recaptured in the 3D. But like, I, I can see that being a really cool fit for, for that franchise you know, as a little spin-off. But look, I mean, you said it. You said it. I mean, does anyone know what it is? This is a huge bet on Fire Emblem across the board for Nintendo, a marginally popular franchise that recently has had probably its best sales ever on the 3DS. Mm-hmm. I'll give them that. It's rising. But man, four games, two Switch games based on Fire yeah. Emblem. So the Switch one is, a, is like a traditional Fire Emblem? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't actually yeah. see that. Yeah, Fire Emblem Switch is a strategy oh, RPG. Yeah, okay. yeah. So. In, in, main, in the mainline series as well. Mm. So it's like the next big Fire Emblem game. Well, be, I mean, they have their audience. I don't know if that's going to win you any I mean, any Tokyo Mirage some... Sessions, FE. Yeah, yeah but... <laughs> that like, was a Fire Emblem game. Yeah, but like also... God, I, that and game it tanked. Was, game was weird. I'm glad I have it. It's gonna be worth money someday. Yeah, but it, it tanked. Well, so were the Fire Emblem uh, GameCube and Wii games. Yeah, I they're mean, the worth game, a lot of money now. I mean, I think they're coming out digitally, so they won't be worth as much. Yeah. But like, for a while there, like you couldn't get that the the GameCube one for less than two hundred bucks. Yep. It, I, but but again, value to the fan base doesn't necessarily translate into more systems sold. So I don't know where they're going with this. I don't. Maybe maybe they're just kind of hoping like some kind of you know, mobile audience explosion will be able to, they'll be able to kind of translate that so into Switch So you look sales? at this, 
all the Fire Emblem that Nintendo's going. Then you start looking at Xenoblade Chronicles Two. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you believe that game's coming out this year? No, hell no. Yeah. But just it's like, are they betting on the right horses? Like, no, they're not. They they have this huge cat. Where's Metroid? They don't have any other horses. They do though. They have tons of them. Like, why is there just one Mario game and there's four Fire Emblem games? <laughs> Think about that, Matt. Yeah. That's insane. I don't know what Nintendo is doing, man. Like, maybe, I, maybe that Mario Rabbids rumored thing is still in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. The Mario RPG with Rabbids or whatever they're supposed to have. I don't even know. That never happened. Yeah. A lot of that Mary Kate Dale or whatever, a lot of her stuff never ended up being oh, the, true. A lot of the leakers took a bath on that presentation. Yeah, really, it was just that 4chan person. Yeah, that who leaked got everything. It all right. yeah. He got it all. <laughs> He literally nailed everything, but yep. it was just the day before. Those other people were talking. Right, well, clearly he was, I mean, he was, he was like an editor, somebody yeah. working on the present, you know, the something. But, like... All those other people were all Oh, it was wrong. all totally off in the crazy And it's county. so funny, too. You see on Sifted, people come in and be like, oh, this came from Mary Kay Dale. It's got to be true. It's like, there's not hardly anything <laughs> she said ended up being right. Anyway... Uh, I I just wanted to you know Fire Emblem. I don't want to talk about it a long time on the show because I mean is, I'm glad it, it's happening because I'm a Fire Emblem the fan. The fact but that like, I don't want to talk about it that long on the show is a clear demonstration right. of how insane Nintendo is for going all in on it. Like, what's next? Like for the big like animal? Are they gonna find out? Like that makes more sense. Animal Crossing. Yeah. That make putting out five versions of that makes that's more sense. That's one of my favorite E3 moments was uh, uh, their press conference in 2007 when the Wii had been blown up yeah. and been huge. And uh, in the in the the interview after the press conferences, uh, Jeff Keighley asked uh, Reggie, like, "Where are the games?" Yeah. And Reggie goes, "What? We gave you Animal Crossing. You got games." That's and and game, Keighley's like, dude. "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah. And it's like Keighley is Keighley, will, you know, is very adept at doing kind of the softball. We're just going to talk about what we, what just happened, kind of corporate interview. And even he, he was just like, "No, you're not getting away from me." And yeah, so I'm like, yeah. "What the <laughs> like Animal Crossing isn't? A, I mean, yeah, it's a game, but it's not like a like you know, it's not a core gamer thing." And like they just weren't. They weren't hearing it. They weren't ready yeah. to hear it. They were just I, like, you, you don't want to eat Wii music. You're not excited about Wii music. The drummer from Wii, that Wii yeah. music thing was in the he inauguration. Whatever, yeah. Not that I watched it, but I, I saw like an article about it and it said that he was in there, which... Yeah, well... Yeah, so... <laughs> I, exposure's exposure, I guess. I know everyone's in like a honeymoon. Three Doors Down took a break from their casino tour to, <laughs> in, in Winnipeg They flew in from Reno. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I know everyone's in the honeymoon period right now at the Switch. Everyone's like, it's awesome. It really does switch from the TV to a handheld. Well, yeah, of course it does, or they wouldn't have made it. Right. But, man, if you really look at what's going on here, it's not good. No. It's not good at all. And it would be less concerning if, again, if the prices were lower, but they're not. Like, I would not recommend anyone with a Wii U buys the Switch. Nobody. And people who have not bought a Wii U, if they are not a hardcore Zelda fan, I would tell them to wait until Q4 for Mario mm-hmm. and, and get Mario and Zelda at the same time. Maybe toss in Splatoon and Mario Kart if you didn't have the Wii U before. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, the Fire Emblem stuff here is irrelevant to the Switch until next right, year sometime right. anyway. So yeah. it's, it's fascinating to see them go this... I mean, especially for a franchise that, like, what, 15 years ago, no one here even knew what it was, really, because it never came yeah. out. You know, like, I think, I think most... Most Americans' first exposure to Fire Emblem would have been Smash Brothers. Yeah. Smash Brothers Melee. You're right, yeah. Because I certainly didn't know who they were. When Marth and... Uh, Marth, I called him Marth. Marth and Roy and Ike or whoever. Mar- like they pop, I'm like, who the hell is the guy with a sword? He looks cool, but and I'd never heard of him. Yeah. Because none of them come here. Yep. 
All right. You know, and also that reminds me. It's like you know, it was you know, it's weird that they put Fire Emblem people in the Smash Brothers games, but we've never seen uh, an Advance Wars character in that. Yeah, I'd yeah. be totally down with a new Advance Wars game, by the way. Yeah, so would I. Totally down. It wouldn't sell worth a squat. No, okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> it goes against the argument we're trying to make about Fire Emblem, but. Yeah, at this point, I'm just like, just give me something I like. I don't care anymore. Yeah. Like, yep. I'd rather have it on the 3DS, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, it's time to go to our trailer of the week. This week, our trailer of the week is for Injustice 2. It's called The Lines Are Redrawn. Matt, have you watched this already? Uh, I don't think so. Wow, I'm surprised to hear that. It, are you? Yeah. Why? Because it's a superhero game, yeah. and you're huge into comics. And I am, but I'm kind of a. Over... I know you're kind of a Marvel guy, and yeah, but I'm I just the the DC movies have really soured me on everything involving these characters. I can understand that. I just watched Batman versus Superman finally. <laughs> yeah, this will, this will be better than that. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I could, I guarantee you it'll be better. And also the injustice. There's a comic, ongoing comic based on injustice that sort of tells the story of what happened from, like. Yeah, yeah, we b- between curated something the, for them about that the yesterday. killing of Lois Lane and and the actual first game, it's really good. Evil Superman, right? Really, really good. Yeah, yeah. like they did a really good job with that story. Um, and I will I will play this. It's just not something I have been paying too much attention to. Well, this trailer really kind of spills the beans on the game. It's like you know everything's been kind of cryptic. They show off a new character and like a quick cutscene or whatever. This one really goes through mm-hmm. it all. Uh, remember. Get those questions in right now while you're watching the trailer. And appreciate uh, how much NetherRealm has improved their character models in yeah, this game. for sure. It's a night and day difference. Yep, so here it is. Injustice 2, the lines are redrawn trailer. Savior. Monster. Guardian. Vigilante. The preservation of life. So often, the justification for taking it. Humans, elevating those that keep guard until they watch too close. And the so-called hero, condoning the very act he would condemn. Transgressions of the past shape actions to come. As offspring turns into adversary, yesterday's loss leads to madness. And God becomes tyrant becomes outcast, becomes dust, as factions dissolve and form, and lust for power enslaves all. Such folly and futility in the grand design. Curious how lines once clearly defined become blurred. Hmm. Perhaps it is time for them to be redrawn.
Dark side. Dark side. <laughs> that was like the big reveal there the at the end. Pre-order bonus. Yeah. Uh, so we got some good questions here. That's the other thing is that game is a pretty good argument for waiting for the game of the year, all DLC included edition of something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, again, like the industry itself pushing people to not buy games at launch. Mm -hmm. Maybe the whole DLC thing is one of the bigger problems. And the fact that you can patch games now. Maybe. It's like now because people know it's like, well, the game's going to be broken at launch, so I might as well wait a few weeks, get it cheaper, and have it fixed. It feels like a lot of the industry trends kind of feed into the falling day one sales. Mm -hmm. Just seems like it to me anyway. Uh, let's see. Uh, Justin Horman, just how could Nintendo convince people to pay for their online service? Is it something else that is going to fall on third parties or will the multiplayer Nintendo games, which I always thought was best for local play, be enough, even if they get more than just Splatoon and Smash in the pipe? Isn't one of the three modes there selling spontaneous local party play? Yes, they are. Yeah. With Splatoon, like they're talking, it's kind of like land play. Yeah. Is one of the big features that they've been showing off and trying to spin it as like esports or whatever. Right, which is absurd. Makes zero the, sense. The idea that, and people, I've even seen people time. It's like, oh, it'd be great because like it saves people setup time because they like you think anyone's going to be allowed to bring their own damn console in? Yeah. Like no, you play on tournament tournament sponsored and provided hardware that they know doesn't have cheat devices or whatever on it. Like it, no one's going to be able to just walk in and slap their switch into a thing and start playing a tournament of split. It doesn't work yeah. that way. Well, getting to his question though, well, one there's they can't make anybody pay for anything they don't want to no. pay for. But I agree. Like there there is no way Nintendo is going to be able to convince people to pay for its no. online service. Especially not after all these years of trying to like downplay online play's importance. There's just no games it's to not, play on the well, service. Well, it's also just not something anybody seems to expect or want from Nintendo for the most part. And what Nintendo doesn't I mean, you're going to be disappointed if Super Mario Odyssey doesn't have competitive multiplayer. Right. Like, that's not yeah. a thing. What Nintendo doesn't realize is that it's been getting a pass all this time because mm -hmm. its service is free. So people are like... I don't really like it. I think Nintendo's online service blows, but I'm getting it for free, so yeah. whatever. You want to charge me for something online? Charge me for, like, the virtual console Netflix. <coughs> right. Charge yeah. me a monthly fee to play anything on the virtual console at will. But what happens is, is when you start charging, and if, we'll assume, Nintendo's price for its online service is around the same as Xbox Live or PSN, you start getting compared to Xbox Live and PSN. And suddenly, you're like, oh, here's these two free old games Give them back. That's not going to fly. No. People are going to freak out. Like, the way things are set up now, and look, things could change before it's launch it, it launches. I mean, I don't know. I think Nintendo is going to is in for a really rude awakening with this. I mean, if they're paying, I mean, I'm sure they do pay attention. Reggie says they do. Like, at the very least, they're going to have to amend their you have to give the game back at the end of the month thing. Like, you're just going to have to deal with the fact that people expect to get something for their subscription payments now. That's how the industry works. It's how everything works. You can go to Humble Bundle and pay 12 bucks a month for 150 bucks worth of games. At some point, you're going to have to give me this stupid Super Nintendo ROM that you've been hanging on to for 25 years. Yeah. That like, I paid let it go. That times. I bought three let times. Let me have it. And still on the cartridge for in the back of my closet. <laughs> yeah. Like, let it go, yeah. Indiana. Like, come on. The problem is people keep paying for it, so they're going to keep yeah. selling it. Here's a good one from The Legacy. What is worse, Switch not bundled with a Joy-Con controller charger or the 3DS XL not bundled with a charger? Bonus question, why is the Wii U still $300? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I think the Joy-Con charger not coming with the Switch is worse because at the very least, some people already had a 3DS charger. You could at least no, no, that. the 3DS is way worse, Matt. I don't agree with that. How? What because, if you didn't because have a some 3DS pe- before? Because some people do did have a 3DS before. Nobody already has a Switch charger. Nobody already has but a way to charge Joy Cons. But here's my point: you can still charge the Joy Cons. It's inconvenient. You have to put them on the tablet on the dock. But you can still charge them. If you did not own a 3DS before the XL, you couldn't charge it. But you could just there buy- is no way because it's also not normal USB. Like right. if it was normal USB, sure, I would say this, the Joy Cons are worse. But it's a proprietary charger. You can literally which you can buy for way less than thirty bucks. Still, that's insane. There, I guarantee you there's tons of people who bought the parents or whatever who bought those for gifts and brought it home and were like, <laughs> what the hell? That's crazy. That is one of the craziest things I've ever heard. I mean, they're both crazy. They're both. You're but right. I, but I say the Switch thing's worse because nobody already has a solution for that. Yeah. I mean, yes, there's, there's an inconvenient solution to that, but it's like... Both things would have cost them cents. How much did the unit. 3DS charger cable cost if you had to buy it? Did you even sell them? Yeah, I think, you, I think at the very least you could buy third-party ones for like 10 bucks. Okay, so at least that was only 10 bucks. Because I have things. a couple of third-party ones that like have like the, out, the, the outs for all the different DS permutations, yeah. and they were like $9.99. At least that's only 10 bucks to fix. Like to yeah. fix the Joy-Con problem, you got to spend 30 yeah. So, dude, how are they charging $30 for that thing? I was charging ninety dollars for the dock. There's barely anything. Ha- I mean, I I don't think the dock is as simple as people are saying. It's a piece of plastic with a USB yeah, with a, yeah. with a pl- pass it's through not, on it. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. But does it cost them enough to charge ninety no. for it? No. You should be charging way less for that. They, and they, to, they, it costs them ten dollars to make that. You should be trying to c- encourage people to buy one of those for every room in their house with a television. Yeah. For ten bucks. Yeah. Uh, the bonus question: Why is the Wii U still three hundred dollars? Because why not? Like no one was going to buy the <laughs> Wii U anyway. I mean, that's really and what Nintendo said. It was just like, look, nobody wants this thing. Mm-hmm. The few people who are going to buy it, whether it's 250 or 350 it's not going to change their mind. Yeah. Like, well, the other thing is because that gamepad costs money. To yeah, make, like, it does. Like, that touchscreen costs a certain amount to make, and that, that's one of the reasons you haven't seen a price drop on that thing, because it hasn't gotten much cheaper to make. So... That's one of the reasons. The other thing I've noticed is, like, they seem to have really been liquidating those things. Like, I... There aren't many Wii U's in stores anymore when I look around. And so, yeah. like, I don't think they ever are going to need to drop the price because no, nobody no. needs to clearance them. They'll eventually sell them all. They're all they're Well, all now gonna collectors are going to start snatching them up because right. 30 years from now, they'll be worth money. So. Right. Well, because, I mean, if that gamepad dies, yep. where are you going to find it? I know one thing. Whenever I finally pack that thing up, and it will probably be in about six weeks, I'll pack it up very carefully yeah. before I put that in the closet. Uh, here's one from Vox91. Do you think Microsoft's shortcomings this gen come from not being able to build a strong identity outside of Xbox Live and sequels to already established series? Or is it more from poor early decision making on the X- of the Xbox group? Hmm. I think it's games. I think yeah. it's 100% games. And I think that's what, like I said, my prediction for 2017 is they're going to have a rough year. And I think that's exactly why they're going to have a rough year. It's not about the hardware. It's about the games. Um, it's a mix. It's a mix of not coming up with compelling new IP and completely over-milking its existing IP. Like, mm. you just know. You know what you're going to get on Xbox. And, weird, and that weird fear of... Nintendo has two weird hang-ups they need to get past if they want to, like, deal with that. And that's, like, not being afraid to do the same thing twice, just better the yeah. second time. Yeah. And... Uh, that's kind of what they're doing with the Switch. Right. I mean, it's and a if, Wii U, but better. And if something's bad, if something comes out bad, don't vault it for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Try again. Yeah. 
And like, yeah, like it, it's. It, meanwhile, like the Xbox just has nothing. The problem is that Xbox has very few surprises, and the surprises that it does have never turn out Are that bad. well. Yeah, they're bad. <laughs> Scalebound couldn't be finished. Recore ended up being a shadow of what people thought it was going to be. Quantum Break ended up being nowhere near. I mean. That's their problem. They cannot find good new IP. And mm. so they're reliant upon these franchises that... Look, that are not moving the product They don't anymore. move the needle. Yeah. Those are expected by the yeah. people yeah, who yeah, buy yeah. an Xbox. They're like, that, if that's not there, I'm not even thinking right. about buying your box. Right. Like, that's just like baseline. And Microsoft has like, done a Gears got to be there. Halo's got to be there. I mean, look at all the new IP coming to PlayStation 4. Mm-hmm. I mean... Gorilla could have made that game for Xbox. They're not owned by Sony. Like, Horizon Zero Dawn could have been an Xbox game. Like, Microsoft is just not doing a good enough job of going out and propagating this stuff with developers. It's sitting on the sidelines for whatever reason. Maybe Sony's offering it more money. Whatever the case is, Microsoft needs to figure it out and fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh... Uh, here's an intro. The stand user asks, what's the state of availability of the NES Classic Mini in the U.S.? There are plenty of Famicom Classic Minis, both new and used on store shelves in Japan. I have never seen one. I've never seen one in a store here. They're gone. They're not never. Here. Nintendo of America seems to have a very... I know people accuse them of doing like intentional shortages. I don't think that's what's happening. I think what's happening is Nintendo of America plays, has learned to play things very, very safe. Yeah. And in, in num- in what they order and what they manufacture. And they are just continually underestimating demand for the Amiibo and for the, uh, the NES Classic. But yeah, I've, I've never seen one in a store, period, ever. Here's one from Fengato. Those things, by the way, the, after the first week, those things were selling on eBay in North America for uh, hundreds, two, three hundred dollars. Yeah. For a $60 item. Fengato asks, think Nintendo might be tempted to let Wii U Zelda out the door in a rough state like a shoddy frame rate, etc., to assist the Switch version. I don't see how that really helps you, though, because, like, you don't know that it's shoddy until you bought it. Well, <laughs> well, no, I mean, look, reviews are going to come out before the right. game's released. So if people, if, if you look at the two reviews and you're like, well, the Wii version's getting, like, a 5 yeah. in graphics and the Switch version's getting an 8 in graphics. That would have to be some really subpar performance to justify spending 430 bucks for an extra 180 lines of P. Yeah, I think the other problem, too, is that the way a lot of video game reviews are done now, they don't call out specific categories like we do with our game evals on Sifted. So mm-hmm. you can never tell how much each category weighs into what the final score is. <coughs> so it might be hard for you to even figure out, like, where is that lower score coming from? Is it because they don't mm-hmm. like playing with the gamepad? Like, you just won't know. So, yeah, I, I mean, Nintendo, you, I, Nintendo would never do anything like that on purpose. Yeah. It may end up working out that way, but it wouldn't I do mean, it on I, purpose. What I played at E3 ran well enough. It didn't. You know, I know there's been stories now of like it, it having a lot of trouble. Yeah, it's running a little well. stuttery here and there. It was fine. I mean, yeah. it, it, it was not like you know, shocking. Oh my god! Yeah, it's not dude. one of those games where you look at it, you're like, oh my god, this thing barely no. runs. It's no, not like not that. At all. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think the difference in performance will be worth buying a new console for. It's. It's just. It depends what what matters to you, I guess. But here's case money. Any other historically bad launch lineups to compare with Switch? Um, I can't think of any as bad as. Re- Switch. I mean, I mean, the N sixty four just had Mario sixty four right. yeah. and Pilot Wings Pilot and like, and, like Cruising like, USA. I think it that was. That sounds right. And then I think they had a Mahjong game in Japan. Right. Um, so that, yeah. that's as bad the, the, on the... That's a doubt. But the Super Jap- Mario 64 was yeah, like... Yeah, that's a pretty good... 
distraction <laughs> yeah. from, the, from the rest of it. I mean... Uh, the Japanese Dreamcast launch yeah. was... Uh, it was a Mahjong game and Godzilla Generations, That's right. if I recall That's right. correctly. Yep. So that was um, bad. In the U.S., though, US really, only better. N64. Uh, I think... It, oh, the U.S. launch Dreamcast was great. Yeah, it was great. The, the, the other one I think maybe I'd bring up would be the original Xbox, which had Halo... But the rest of that stuff was... It, I mean, it Cell had like damage and... And uh, Nightcaster and Azuric and... Azuric. Fusion Frenzy <laughs> and... Um, oh, it had Oddworld. I had yeah, Oddworld. Yeah. Munch's Odyssey. Um, it, so it wasn't terrible. Yeah, it's not a, it's but not it was just way. sort of... It was just sort of a, a parade of pretty good. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it wasn't like a... It I wasn't mean, a lineup to convince you to jump into a new console by a company that had never made one before. And GameCube's launch wasn't great, but it had a couple... I had Rogue Leader and that's all I needed. Luigi's Mansion. Luigi's Mansion was good. I liked it. I liked the GameCube launch lineup. No, I, it, was, I was, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't, wasn't terrible. It was, it, it was, I remember it was disappointing to people because there was no straight up Mario. Switch is um, the worst. Yeah. Like, it's, it's even bad. with Zelda, it's the worst. And only because Super Mario 64 was just transcendent. Mm. I mean that. I'll never forget playing that game. And at for least, the first like, time. okay, Pilot Wings and uh, Cruising USA are not, you know, flagship titles. But yeah. you know, at least Pilot Wings was something I would think about. No, it was fun. And like, whereas like the and other the other launch titles on the Switch are just like I would never. I would never touch them. Never. Yeah. Like even Bomberman. I'm glad to see Bomberman is back, but that doesn't mean I'm going to play it. Johnny Hurricane, do you think Q1 will suffer like Q4 did last year? It's way overpacked for Q1. It's a good question. Well, a lot of people just got new consoles. 6.1 yeah. million people just got PlayStation 4s, True. and they're looking for games. So, True. I, I, no, I don't think so. I think it'll probably do better than Q4, which we'll is I mean, mind-blowing. I think February's a little crowded. I, would, I, think, I think you might see a couple games get kind of left in the dust, and I'm a little worried that'll happen to For Honor, um, that For Honor will just sort of be forgotten about because so much other stuff comes out in February. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, look, I'm just mainly I'm just rooting for Horizon to to hit big. I hope whatever else happens, I hope Horizon's immune to this horrible sales problem. Uh, uh, Nolan Ellerick says Saturn had nothing, and he is correct. No, that's right. Saturn was terrible. Good call there. Way to um, pluck that one out. I, for, I, I even as a giant Sega fan, I didn't buy Saturn at launch. I waited for like a year. Uh, let's see. Saturn, Saturn's probably worse than the Switch. I'm, I'm going to say Saturn, the Saturn launch. Yeah, you're right. Because it didn't have anything. It didn't you're even right. have a Zelda. You're right. Yeah, it didn't have like a really high Good call, Nolan Elric. Good call. Yep. So bad that no one even thought of it. <laughs> um, AJ the Legend Watson. What will it take for Nintendo to get back to its glory days? Is that even possible? Time machine. <laughs> well, I think you've said it a million times. Just make a powerful, normal console yeah. that is friendly to third. Pactor said it a million times. You got to yeah. make it easy for third parties. You can't make it a pain in the ass to make a game well, for your like, system. We're, we it never learns. But like, you can't put the current multi-platform stuff on this system. Like, it's not powerful you enough can't. to run. That's them. what I'm saying. Like, Nintendo, it just it's it rolls the dice every time. It's like if we get another Wii, if we get another Wii, if mm. we get another Wii. That's what it's counting on. It's counting on having that one mega hit that refills all the coffers with money so that they can fail three more times until they get that mega hit again. Like, at least that seems to be their strategy. Instead of just playing it safe, like, they made money on GameCube. They turned a profit on GameCube. Uh, apparently, that's not good enough for them. It's just having a comparably powered system. In this world of nostalgia, I don't understand why they didn't just make a streamlined, 
decently powered game system that was dedicated to playing regular games and was backwards compatible, you know, that backwards compatible with everything. Like basically, if you had an, if you have a pleasant Nintendo memory, you can play it again on this system that we call it the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah. Done. And like, just, I don't get it. I mean, you could charge the same amount of money if you just got rid of all the, the weird Joy-Con tech gimmickry and called it a normal, you could probably even keep the, the you know, the, the portable, you know, swap back and forth aspect. But like, there's no reason to pack it full of all this kind of like, you know, please, please, we, people who bought 100,000, 100 million Wii's, please come back stuff. Oh God, there's a million questions. We can only answer a couple more. Um, wow, there's so many. Sorry, guys. I wish we could answer every one, but we'd end up sitting here for another three mm. hours. <laughs> Snowpiercer, which is not Snowpiercer in French, but I can't pronounce that. Uh, it says, what kind of revamps on Nintendo Classic franchises would it take to get you two back on board if you were ever on board with the Nintendo Switch? Metroid would be a good one. That'd be a good... Yeah, a good Metroid game would go a long way. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, look, I'm okay with Fire Emblem. A lot of times when we talk on this show, we are talking about us specifically. Mm -hmm. Matt and I both love Fire Emblem, and we're both happy that they're making Fire Emblem games. When we're talking about stuff like this on the show, we're talking about Nintendo and how it's going to do with mm -hmm. everybody. The market. Yeah. Like, I'm happy with Nintendo. I like Nintendo's games. I wish they put them out more often. I wish they got rid of 3DS development and got it all on Switch. Mm -hmm. But I already pre-ordered a Switch. I'm going to play it. It'll probably sit around for a long time yeah. afterwards not doing anything. And like, it's, We're it, not necessarily talking about us that we're pissed off mm -hmm. at it. We're just saying, like, this is the way the, the mass public is going mm -hmm. to view these things. And, like, the thing about the, you know, a good Metroid game would go, would really solve a lot of my gripes just because it would be, like, a nice olive branch, I guess, after all these years. But it's, like, it's amazing that, like, in the last year, the fans have made two better Metroid games than Nintendo's made in a decade. Yep. Uh, the, the, the Metroid 2 remake and then that thing, the thing that just came out, the prequel, uh, Metroid uh, Zero Dawn. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's did a, it was a ROM hack, and it's just like, I watched the trailer for that, and I was like, that's amazing that that's running on NES hardware. It's incredible. Like, like people that just love these things can make these incredible versions of Metroid, and Nintendo sits back and says that there's nothing else to do with the franchise, and it's amazing to me. Here's the last question from Parasite Echo. How many times is Nintendo allowed to fail with their consoles... And how much money can they afford to lose? As many times as they want. Yeah. The I calculation mean, a while ago was something like Nintendo could lose the amount of money they've been losing on the Wii U for something like 50 years and, never, and still not be in the red. Like, they have endless cash reserves. That, I think they could go through, like, realistically, like, three more failed console cycles. Yeah. Well, at some point, the shareholders are going to revolt. Right. And you know, they'll, they'll sell turn, all their shares. They'll turn over the, the board of directors or something. Like something yeah. drastic would have to happen because as a shareholder, you start looking at this and be like, what are you people... Why can't you just do what Sony does? Yeah. You know? And I'm sure they've asked that already. Oh, I'm sure, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at a certain point... <laughs> but then Nintendo will point to Sony's stock and say, is that what you want? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Now Sony's talking about selling off, you know, the yeah. TV and movie divisions to kind of bolster that a little bit more. Yeah. So... Big changes may be coming for a lot of these major companies. Nintendo can afford to lose a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, Nintendo's not going to go out of business ever. Like, Nintendo will always be able to choose how they fail. But as, as to your question, how many times can is it allowed to fail? I don't know if you meant this, but I'm going to take it as how much longer can it get away with this with stockholders? I mean, after this cycle, if the yeah. Switch bombs like the Wii U, there's going to... 
There's going to be some t- some. Meetings. There'll be some hell yeah. to pay for Nintendo. So. And I think you know I think after this, if it, if the Switch doesn't work, I think this the solution. If I were a shareholder, I think the solution I would pitch them or or demand maybe I don't know what. Um, Sony really, you know, Sony made a lot of stumbles with the PS3, and I feel like the PS4 has turned that around. And I think one of the reasons the PS4 has turned that around is Sony was smart enough to hand off hand off to uh, Sony Europe and Sony America, sort of like, okay, what do you guys think? You know, they they went out and got input. Yeah. Whereas Nintendo, they Japan, learned from its mistakes. Yeah. Well, also they handed it to people like, okay, the big the big markets <coughs> are in Europe and North America. The people who run those markets. You know, you guys build the PS4. You guys work on the PS. You know, they got Cerny. Yeah. They got these guys that like really know how to put together a piece of hardware that does what the market wants it to do. And I, I think because it feels to me like Reggie and Nintendo Europe just don't have any input in how this. I mean, yeah, they don't. that was. I look at Reggie's eyes in in that presentation. That, that is a man being forced to sell some things. Well, he's he also want hardly to sell. in it. Right. I mean, he was like a token thing at the end. Like he wasn't the one driving the present. Like, but hand the fucking wheel to Reggie. You also, and the I wheel mean, to like, Nintendo I, America and see if see if the Western branches can come up with something that can compete. I hate to say this too, but the time has come and gone where you debut your product in Japan, in Japanese. Well, I'm wondering how you much... You just don't do it anymore. Well, we've talked Most about... people in Japan speak English now. Mm. The market in Japan is minuscule compared to the West. You... you pre- Nintendo just does not learn from its mistakes. That's the most frustrating part when you watch, whether it's a video game company or your child or your parent, and you just watch them make the same mistakes <laughs> over and over. It gets so frustrating. Like, even training a dog to, like, sit. It's like after five, you're like, sit, damn it. Like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> it's very frustrating to watch because Nintendo, to me, has more potential than any of the three. Mm-hmm. And you just watch it, squander it over and over again it's just very frustrating and hard to watch so i just don't get it's like it seems like a no-brainer like what if zelda looked like horizon yeah i know what if what if you could put that up and be like hey that's what that is now and it's like why not because you gotta have the thing where you feel how many ice cubes are in a glass i know i know and you know what if they had shown that the first time in the west instead of in japanese people wouldn't have been like what the hell is going (laughs) on right now all right, so that's it. We're going to call it a show. We do have one person to add to the Sifted Elite Club. Shanghai Dan! Congratulations, and thank you very much. Enjoy the green, brother. He was one of our uh, donators who donated a little bit at a time until he finally got to that threshold. Hmm. So perseverance wins the day. Thanks, Shanghai Dan. Appreciate it very much. And one last thing before we go. Uh, Sifted Fantasy League, the real Fantasy League, is over, where we actually did a Fantasy Football League. I did not win. Wow. I lost in the championship game. You were ahead before, weren't you? Uh, when we did, like, I was in first before? place, like, all year. Uh, but what happens is it comes down to just one week. Either your mm-hmm. team does good that week or it doesn't. It doesn't. And he, uh, the final score, I believe, was 152-130. to 130. I was defeated by the Wimbledon Wamblers. Uh, his real name is Keith McCain. So congratulations to Keith and the Wimbledon Wamblers. Excellent job defeating me. And for winning the league, he gets one Shane year. Shane doesn't lose fantasy stuff very often. I actually had a really unlucky year this year. I did not win a single league this year wow. out of five. Yeah, so I had a tough one. That's but unusual. It is unusual. And, uh, but anyway, so I had a tough year. Good for Keith. Uh, Keith gets a free year of Sifted uh, premium subscription for winning the league. So congratulations to him. 
And with that, that's the end of the show. Before we go, I want to remind British? you guys. What did you say? You got beat by a British guy in American fantasy football. I guess I wow. did, yeah. NFL playing those London games is paying off. <laughs> You've been watching a lot of Jaguars <laughs> games. Uh, before we go, we want to remind you guys we're doing our sifted video game fantasy draft right after this. We're going to take a break, hit the bathroom, maybe get a drink or whatever. Uh, we should, our stream should be right back up in about 15 minutes. We do have to take the stream down to, and then bring it back up because we have to switch everything out in the TriCaster mm-hmm. for the next show. So, so you'll see the email again. Yep. So it'll take about 15 minutes and then we'll be right back up for the fantasy draft. Uh, for everyone who may be tuning out or just tuned in for Game Face, thank you so much for watching as always. Hopefully people in Europe got to watch it at a decent hour for once. It wasn't like crack of dawn or three in the morning or whatever. So uh, no matter where you are or what time it is, where you are, thank you for watching. Game Face is up and out.